Oi, you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 176. On tonight's episode, the modelings are going to finish talking about the General's Handbook. So full of goodness, they couldn't fit it all into one show. Yes, it's that good. It's that fantastic. <laughs> Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next three hours, or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you more General's Handbook, Allegiance Abilities, and yeah, that's about it. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Batman. Okay, that's a lot of options, buddy. (laughs) No, no, it's not, because I'm one specific Batman. Which Batman am I? I'm assuming this is the Christian Bale Batman. Dog. You're darn right I am. <laughs> oh, boy. It's been on heavy rotation on cable, too. And honestly, I, if, I, if I do Pennywise right before it comes out, I just I feel like I'd be pandering. So I would have peed myself. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for that movie, but that's not the point. Nope, nope, nope. All uh, right. I don't like clowns either, but that 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 looks pretty. I'm hoping they do a good job. You know, when somebody told me that it's only a part one. That's not okay. That they're breaking it into a two-part movie, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're lying. You're like, no, I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 you can't release it and not tell me that it's a part one. Like, you got to tell me if it's a two-part movie. You're not allowed, you know, Deathly Hallows part one, you know, Avengers uh, Infinity Wars part one. You can't release it as a two-parter. Because, man, I tell you, remember, I remember being a kid when Back to the Future part two came out, and then they didn't finish that darn movie, and I was angry. It was a good movie, mm-hmm. but I was like, what do you mean? I would say The mm-hmm. Matrix 2, but <laughs> let's face it. Nobody cares about the ending of that. The Matrix 3 wasn't any good anyway, so. Not really. All right. You know what? We should probably thank the sponsors and get off of that. Let's hurry up because I'm Batman. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, yes. uh, which include Unique Gifts and Games. And Grays Lake, Illinois. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. I wonder if they sell Batman. <laughs> I think they do. Um, I gotta check. And, oh, Lord. And Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. For all your MDF needs. Well, I'm gonna be doing a YouTube video on them, man. I'm telling you. I uh, That 25-pot paint tray, the one that just stacks up like a staircase... Mm-hmm. That is perfect for setting up all the paint. Like if you're doing like a set amount of painting for the night, and you know what you need. Keeps it all in one nice little spot. You're not digging for stuff. Oh, I love it. Oh, uh, oh, and you know what? We need to thank our patrons. Patrons. We need to thank our associate producers Shirley Tempel and Derek Zimmerman. And dude, we have an executive producer. A new one. Well, okay. The old one, the anonymous. Anonymous emailed me and said they had a change in financial status, and so they were having to drop for a while and I was like oh that's sad because like I liked having an executive especially one who wanted to remain anonymous and didn't just didn't want to do the executive producing just le- left it to me um, mm-hmm. but we do we have an executive producer thank you Bradley Graham for stepping up and taking one of the four coveted spots hmm. it's, it's only four spots and um, all the perks and privileges that uh, that that uh, can, are contained within he is now an executive producer so thank you so much that is huge um and thank you to our newest patrons uh outside of bradley graham dylan foley 
Marcus Sharaput, Tyler Miller, and Stefan. No last name. He just listed himself as Stefan, which is kind of cool. It's like Fabian or Cher or Madonna or something. I can't. I don't know any you know, Usher. Is the one word name people? Prince. Prince, or the artist formerly known as Prince. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, speaking of which, Purple Rain was on cable recently. Did you know that Prince did the Batman soundtrack for the first Michael Keaton movie? Oh, yeah, I know. I was old enough to go see it in the theater. I actually owned both soundtracks, the Danny Elfman instrumental and the Prince soundtrack. Hmm. Yeah. Also, KSR Superstar, If a man Batman. is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, then give me the electric chair for all my future crimes, Lord. I know all them damn songs because I had the soundtrack. Because I was young and dumb, and if it had Batman on it, I bought it. Kind of like today. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Except it was the Prince soundtrack, but I, I, yeah, no, I knew it. I had it. We had it. Everybody had it, dude. Everybody had it. Did you do but, the bad dance? No. No, I didn't do any dancing. I was fat and uncoordinated. Even back then, you don't just get fat and lose coordination as you get older. You start that way. So... It was oh, oh man, but I tell you what, Purple Rain that movie's dumb. But there's got some great musical <laughs> numbers in that. And then Apollonia is like naked a bunch of times. And I know this is a kid friendly show, but I like that. That was a good movie. Like I enjoyed those parts. You know, like parts of that. Seriously, the the Prince. Yeah, you know what? When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was I really liked Prince uh, in the early '80s. Um, and uh. Those musical numbers from Purple Rain were pretty darn good. I don't care what you say. The movie was pretty the acting was pretty bad. But those concert numbers, they were they were pretty happening. I'll just saying it. Thank you, Lindsay agrees with me. Thank you, Lindsay. See, speaking of speaking of Six Squared Studios. And you were saying something about Six Squared Studios before I totally went off on a Prince tangent? No. Uh KSR Superstar actually oh. does carry Batman. Excellent. They should, because I'm awesome. So we need a oh, we need boy. we need a, it was a helicopter. Yes, a dark protector. All right. in the show. All right, what else? Uh, voicemail. Do we, we have voicemail? Call. We do have voicemail. I'm so glad you asked. Um, we do have voicemail, and that voicemail is at one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six. Most international callers dial zero zero one seven five seven G H show six. Um, all right, so um. We got a couple we need to play. Um, one is important because we promised Tyler we'd play it, and then he called in like literally two hours after we finished recording the show. And so I was like, too late. So we're playing that now. And then we had uh, one or two others that I promised we'd play. Uh, not very long and actually hobby-related and not um, not uh, General's Handbook 2017 related, which is why I wanted to play them because I don't want to listen to any more of that feedback. So... Um, so here we go. I'm going to play the first message uh, right here from Tyler. Hey, Dave, Alex, and, of course, Lindsay. Uh, this is Tyler from Mengel Marishers calling. I just wanted to call in and uh, plug the Michigan GT, which is coming up soon. It's a three-day event, October 6th through 8th, uh, with a bunch of different game systems. It's a, it's a huge tournament. But, of course, I'm calling in about the Age of Sigmar tournament uh, that weekend, which is a two-day, five-game tournament. Saturday and Sunday, October 7th and 8th. There's only about 10 spots left right now for anyone who wants to get in. So uh, if you're interested, go to michigangt.com and register. It's going to be in Lansing, Michigan, 
and it's being held at the Causeway Bay Hotel. So you can get a room right there at the hotel uh, if there's still rooms left. So you can just, you know, stroll down from your room the morning of and be all ready to go. Uh, myself, uh, Brad, a.k.a. Relian, Andrea, a.k.a. Lucky Sixes, and possibly Domus will all be there. So if you want to come out and you know have some good games against us uh, and try and take the championship away from last year's winner, myself, then make sure you come out for Drag. the the GT. If you're local to the area as well, there's going to be a primer for it at uh, Imperium Games in Wixom, Michigan, on September 17th, which is a Sunday. So if you're local to the area, come out for that as well, and you can get some uh, practice games in against people that will be there playing, probably using the army list we'll be playing at the event, and also using the rules packet for that event. So, uh, like I said, if you're interested, go to michigangt.com, register now before it all fills up, and I'll see you guys in October. Thanks. Bye. Boy, that was pretty long, actually, right? That was pretty long. Yeah. But you fit it all in. Little. A little wordy. Yep. Um, but for people that are interested, they've actually only got about five spots left. So if you're interested in signing up, I would suggest you do that sooner rather than later. Yes, yes. Now let's see what else. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Play this one real quick. And I think – actually, I think this is it. This is all – maybe we only had two voicemails. Oh, it looks like it was only two. I thought there was three. There's only two. Uh, this one is like a hobby question. So let's, uh, this one is, uh, yeah, this one I'm, I'm going to play. Hold on. Here we go. Hey, Dave and Alex. This is Adam from out in Utah. Just got to say, love your guys' show. Uh, I myself, I think I'm more of a story stinker and a narrative just like you guys, and I love that aspect of gaming. Um, I don't really get to game as much. As I'd like to, um, there's not, I mean, I haven't found a ton of players out here, but I really enjoy the painting aspect, but I've got a question for you guys. I've kind of come up against somewhat of a hobby wall where I get like 90% done with a model and I just can't quite bring myself to just finish it. You know, I just get too excited to move on to the next model. You guys, uh, do you guys have any, I don't know, any hints or tips or ticks or, or tricks or anything that you guys do to, to really power through and finish a model. Um, I don't really have stuff coming up for tournaments or anything to, to kind of push me there. What is it that helps you guys finish a model? And I guess what is it about the art side of it that, that makes you tick, right, besides just, you know, making it look good? Anyways, guys, love the show. You guys rock. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Bye. All right. So there was that question. Thank you for the call, by the way. Um, what about you, Alex? Do you ever get Do you ever get to ninety percent and then have trouble finishing the model? Because um, I don't have the problem at stuck at ninety. Um, my stick point is realistically when I get all the base coats down, and it's right in that wash stage where it just never seems to end. Yeah. Um, but I do hit some models where it's, you get down to it and it's like, I just don't want to look at this model anymore. Um, so realistically what I've done is I'll branch off to other projects where I'm using similar paints or the colors I'm going to be using on those models. And then once I make the paint puddle, then I just 
dabble on that other one and just keep moving. Um, or if it's time to nut up or shut up, um, Mad Max soundtrack and just go for it. <laughs> I'm being totally serious. That's I believe how I you. Did all of my prosecutors, those stupid wings that give you that hobby analysis paralysis. Oh, it was, I know. I put my headphones on. I plugged in the Mad Max soundtrack, and that was the end of it, and I just did it. There you go. What about you? I usually don't have a problem until we get to the very end with those last bits of the highlighting along the edges of stuff. Oh, God. And that's when it's just getting to the point where because I'm, I'm catching little things I missed and stuff like that. And with that, there's just really nothing else for me to do. It's just like I'm looking around going, this is what's next. What I'll usually do is pull out the thing that's going to be next. Mm-hmm. And say like this is this is where you get to go as soon as you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there have been a couple nights where I've put everything down and said I'm done painting for the night. Yeah, like I'm just like you know what I cannot I cannot do this anymore. But I'm not going to go and grab another thing and start it. You know, unless there the only time I allow myself to do that is if there's something that's really simple that has to get done. Slapping on base coats or slapping on washes, something that's just and it's like a first a, a first one, so you can just slap it on fast and sloppy and not have to worry that you got it on other things. So it's like that first color, just mm-hmm. to just to get away because it it's the it's the super fine details that start to jangle your nerves because you're sitting there for a long period of time with multiple either multiple models or multiple spots in that same model trying to draw that perfect thin edge line. And it's hard. I mean, I am no good at blending. It's the thing that I can't do, which is all my models are are so bright colored because I can't do gradual shading and blending. Um, so I've got bright, solid colors with strong, hard, you know, edge highlights. Um, but if those edges start to get sloppy and I start to get crazy, that's when I have to pull away. It's like, okay, I can't do any more fine detail. I'll step away for the evening. I'll usually pull out some of the ultramarines that I have uh, spray primed blue like last week i took all six of the bikes and i just pulled out the uh, null oil and slapped on that you know just for 10 15 minutes before i finish for the night just like to get away from that fine detail and the next time i get into a fine detail rut i'm going to pick those same bikes up and go back over them with the blue over all the center parts that now have the shade on it that i don't want shaded mm-hmm. you know and it's just going it's it's that when you get to that last few minutes, that last bit, that's really those finest details. That's the only part I get hung up on. And I find that just going in and just going into big, huge areas where you can just put on paint and not worry about that. It's like I can have fun painting again without having that nerve jangling, you know, okay, hold steady, don't breathe, drag the brush, just thin, 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 thin. You know, and then the next day when I'm recharged and I'm just starting for the fresh, I can go back to that. That's what I do. Mm. That's me. So, and I've always either got a, a movie on or a, or a audio book or a podcast on. So there's no powering through with a good soundtrack. Although that's not a bad idea. It's Look, specifically Mad Max. There you go. And it's Fury Road. Don't use the Mel Gibson one. Well, you said the Road yes. Warrior, didn't you say that? Or did you? Oh, I you said, said Mad oh, Max. You said Mad Max. Oh, okay. No, it's got to be Fury Road. Oh, so it's not the first one. No. Okay. Fury Road. 
That is a pretty good soundtrack. If you want a power soundtrack, it's Fury Road or Bust. That's a pretty good sound. That's a pretty good movie too. I could put the movie on too. Well, yeah. yeah, no, don't put the movie on because then you'll watch the movie and not paint your miniatures. Oh, yeah, well, it's too good. It's, it the music's good. great, but the movie's too good. It is pretty good. All right. Uh, okay, mailbag. Um, okay, we had a lot of feedback on the last episode. Uh, in fact, we got too much to read on the air, so we're not going to do a whole mailbag segment because it would take longer than that last time we did the the multiple email uh, segment, uh, voicemail segment, which then wound up getting cut because the damn power went out. Um, mm-hmm. so, but trust me, it was long. So, so here's go. I'm just going to try to address things in one fell swoop. Okay. Uh, feel free to chime in here, Alex, if there's something that I missed or something that you feel. But otherwise, I got my notes here. Uh, I'm going to try to address most of this stuff in one fell swoop. Uh, one, okay, uh, for everyone who wrote in to say, hey, great show, and we loved it, and that was pretty great, and we can't wait to hear part two, thank you. Thank you very much from myself and I'm assuming from you, Alex. Yeah, of course. Uh, number two. We did get some feedback, some good feedback with some questions and comments about our ideas and stuff. Uh, those were good, and I'm going to address at least one of them when we get to the end of this because I thought that was a really – some good points and counterpoints to some of the things that we had said. And obviously, you know, um, the most uh, – the calmest, I'd say, of the emails um, came from people who realized that this was first impressions from us as well. I mean, Alex, I know you you play tested some stuff, um, but a lot of the stuff that we were going over the the uh, mo- mostly the uh, you know the not match play stuff you hadn't seen that either. So that was all first impressions, and so as we went through that, you know, people recognized that. Um, but we did get a couple of interesting comments, and I will address those. Um, then we uh, number three here, we did have some feedback that was passionate. Okay, uh, let's call it. Let's, say, let's use the word passionate. I'm trying to be kind here. Okay, uh, I did have to remind uh, some people on Facebook that this is family friendly because uh, we had some people that got a little uh, passionate and uh, we started to use language that I don't I don't allow on the page. So I said, "Hey, dude, uh, emails. You can say whatever you want, though, because that's not public." And several people did, and I'm not reading that stuff on the air anymore. Okay. I'm not, I don't don't read that stuff on the air anymore. Um, suffice to say this, uh, I've never made it a secret that I am a big fan of Games Workshop, and that's why I do this show. Alex, I think it's safe to say he's also a big fan. Um, if he wasn't, he wouldn't run tournaments and do all these other things that he does. Am I off base here? Am I saying anything wrong yet? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, we're going to have opinions that other people don't agree with. Um it's just how it is, and we're passionate about our opinions just like you're passionate about yours. I want to let you know right now, seriously, if you're just writing to tell me that I am just a DW shill and that I'm in their back pocket and I, I don't have any real opinions, I just say I just toe the line, or Alex can't have an honest opinion because he's a play tester, which you know I heard that in one of these things. Uh, Alex, I didn't forward you all this stuff because you don't need to read all this stuff. I was going through and I, I filter through this stuff now pretty quick. Um, both of us are over the line and abusing our power as podcasters <laughs> uh, because we told people don't freak out. Everything's going to be okay. Who are you to tell us not to freak out? Everything's going to be okay. We can freak out if we want to freak out. Yeah, go ahead and freak out if you want to freak out. 
I'm still going to tell you to calm down. Uh, as I've said, uh, or as I did say, I hope this vehement whining doesn't happen every year that they put out one of these books. I guess people got annoyed with that. Uh, you know, if you're ready to tell me that and you mix it in with a lot of insults and expletives, seriously, don't bother. Like, I'm still going to say exactly what I feel because I am honest on this show. Uh, if you can't, uh, if you can't believe after seven years of this show, all the nice things I'm saying. Back when nobody from GW even knew I existed and, and, and wouldn't admit it if they did because that's how they used to run the place. Um, if, if, I haven't changed. Like my, my line is still, you know, I still. Uh, so if, if you, um, I'm going to say what I feel. I try to keep the show honest. If you think a, a nasty, ugly email calling me all sorts of names is going to make me change, then uh, Seriously fooling yourself here um and i gotta say when why don't i read them on the air anymore and it dude it, and it's not if you're trying to get me upset by writing these things i gotta say okay for as clever and as biting as you guys who wrote these last couple thought you were y'all don't come close to roger waters like he was the that was the that was the worst of the worst of all the ones i ever got which is why i read that one on the air is the last one i was gonna read on the air to show you how insane people could get. None of y'all went as insane as poor old Roger. Okay? You just you're not gonna top him. And and honestly, that's the letter that made me stop worrying about the haters. Because if people are gonna go that crazy, I can't control them. And so I stopped. I mean, I'm not gonna feel bad. I'm not gonna worry. Whatever you 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 know, wish what you want, say what you want. Um, but if you're just gonna be nasty, do don't bother. Because I just delete it. When I used to just delete it. After Roger, I deleted the first couple I got that were nasty about halfway through without reading them. Now I read them all the way through, and I just make fun of your grammar because I'm an English teacher, and I do that, and it makes me feel better. Um, but just, you know, relax. Seriously. Relax. It's all going to be better. So I'm just saying that. I Actually, I don't mind good feedback. In fact, uh, we got a great letter from Phil Elliott, which was really long. Phil. It was, but it was very concise, and he brought up a lot of very good points, <laughs> exactly. and he did it in the right way. It was lots of concise points, and he and when he disagreed, he had reasons to disagree, and there weren't insults getting thrown around. And he actually mm-hmm. agreed on a few points and said, I did like this. Now, I will say this. Uh, you know, it was I can't read it all because, like I said, it was really long, but um, thank you, Phil, for a really great letter because you did make me think about a few things. And... Uh, We'll probably bring them up at a later point, uh, either uh, not maybe not on this show, but on, on the next show, um, because there were some really good points in there, and we really did enjoy the email. Um, it's actually a Facebook post that I agreed with most, and I want to bring that up, though. Okay, And it was about the, the Overlord's Thunderer's rewrite. Okay, um, I, yeah, Everyone knows I don't, I don't mind the rewrite. I don't care. Um, they just don't. I think that it, now it fits what's in the box. It fits the play style. It fits the lore. I'm okay. Um, it helps that I didn't convert a bunch of mine. So maybe, you know, it, as, as that part of it, am I biased? Maybe, okay? Um, someone said, well, if you're going to say that, then you've got to say that the Ar- why don't they have three of each thing in the Arcanauts? Because the Arcanauts says they can build three. And I was like, yeah, but you've got to buy three boxes to get your battle line in for if you're playing matched points. Yeah. And so then you'd have three of everything. Now, you can turn around and say, yes, but if I bought three units, I, what if I want three of the same thing in every unit? I, I, I don't know what to tell you then. 
I'm not putting three of the same thing in every one of my units. I'm not. Why? Because it doesn't come that way, and I'm not a super converter. I may try to convert maybe a one or two extras up. I may try it. But everybody knows I'm a straight-out-of-the-box man. I think these models are gorgeous. And every time I try to do conversions, they're either very small or they don't look that good. So He's right, folks. <laughs> Dude, I tried to convert the two extra lords on Drakoth into regular Dracothian guard. And I totally messed up pulling off the one chest plate. And trying to put on the other one, and now it's a hot mess because I can't put the other chest plate on because I've got big gaps, and I don't know how to fix it because I'm not a sculptor. So I am totally out of luck with this. Like I I don't even know if they're going to work. I'm sad. I'm going to have to call Aaron Schmidt and be like, dude, I need you to help me with this. Um, but so, yeah, I, with the three boxes, I mean, you can buy three boxes. Then someone brought up the Storm Fiends. Yeah. What about the Storm Fiends? You could take, they only come with one of each thing and you can make them all one thing. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. They should rewrite that scroll too. I agree with Mm -hmm. you 100%. If they're going to do it for the one on that reason, they should do it for for more than one reason. Okay. Three of those warp fire things doing 63 damn mortal wounds? No, no. You do six and you have 12 D3. Oh, they do two D3. Oh, see that? No. Kill yourself. <laughs> Having been on the receiving end of that, I don't particularly enjoy it. No. So. I was on the receiving end of it at Gen Con for the first time, and he only had three. Yeah. Six D3 six mortal wounds mm-hmm. is stupid. And, and it's auto hit. Now, we're not disagreeing that those things are obnoxious, because they is. Um, I mean, but- I thought having two, two uh, Star Soul Maces was harsh having three of those guys and then people that take six that's that's brutal yeah hey you know what you're right if they did it for this you know sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander i agree with him 100 percent. they should they should make that same adjustment um and it's not just because storm feeds are brutal um but you know hey i'm i said it for one and he's right if i'm going to say it for one i got to say it for the other so you know, you can only mm-hmm. take two, two star soul maces per five with the uh, with the uh, paladins, paladins, and they come with two in a box because you can take mm-hmm. two per five. So, I think you can only take two per five. Yeah. No, so, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. Thank you. Um, so yeah, then storm fiends. Yeah, and I hope in GHB 2018 they rewrite the storm fiends rule, and you can you can. You can send that hate mail to me disagreeing with me about this one, too. I'll take it. I'll read it. I'll make fun of your grammar, and I'll delete it. But there we go. See, I am too hyped up. I haven't had any pop in, like, weeks, only, like, coffee or tea, which still has caffeine. But I'm down here in the basement, and it's getting a little late, and I had some. Uh, I had a caffeinated uh, cola beverage, which I'm really not supposed to have, and I am wired on sugar and 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 caffeine right now. This is how I get. This is gonna be amazing. You better quit drinking that. It's bad for you. Sorry, Batman. All right. Let's. Go. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> All right. Oh so, my God. Okay. We I think need... at this point we need to take a break, and you need to like go run around the block or something. Yes, we're gonna take a break, and then when we come back, we're. I think we're gonna. Dude, we're not gonna have time for the toolbox and the Garage Hammer News Network. Um, we'll have a lot next episode. But we, we're out of time. Like, we got 19 scrolls to cover and, like, 90 minutes. That's, like, three minutes a piece. And that ain't going to happen. 
So no. I don't want to go into a part three on this if we can avoid it. So we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to come back, and we're going to jump into the general's handbook. And we are back. We are going to be talking about Grand Alliances, Allegiance Abilities, and there's something going on in Oregon, isn't there? Yes, yes. Uh, I did not forget. It's here. Um, someone asked us. I got an email, and I don't have... Uh, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Strofe, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, running a charity tournament in Oregon. Uh, on the west coast of the U.S. on the 23rd, uh, the 23rd of this month, I'm assuming, just on the 23rd, uh, benefiting hungry kids. Um, there's a link to their Facebook page. It will be in the show notes because, you know, that just is like a string of numbers. Uh, they asked us to plug it. You can sign up with Best Coast Pairings app under Food for the Blood God event or by going to Oregon City Geeks and Gamers Facebook page and join the Facebook event. And that I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, thank you, Jeremy Srof. You can also reach him for information uh, on Twitter at Jeremy's Big Mouth, J-E-R-E-M-Y-S, Big Mouth, the tyrant of P-Town. Um, and let's see. It's Team America. Warhammer Police presents Food for the Blood God. It is three rounds. Check-ins at 10 a.m. Uh, 2,000 point match play event. I'm not going through all of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a three round one dayer. Uh, some things I did notice for 2,000 points of match play. Uh, you can get a tournament reroll at the cost of one per can or box of food. They can be used anytime in any quantity. You just can't reroll a reroll. So if you bring in like a case of twenty four cans of tuna, you got twenty four re rolls for the next for the three games. Um, I'm I'm all about that. Uh, one time use dispel scroll of unbinding um, can be used to automatically unbind a spell. Just as if you had done so successfully, you don't even have to have wizards or the ability to unbind or be in range. At a cost of ten dollars each, two for wait ten dollars for one or twenty five for two. How? Yeah, it doesn't sound. I would check the website for further details. I'm just one. reading off the player pack, but they might have they might have adjusted that. But anyway, that's where they're going to get the big money is those the, those scrolls. But hey, it's all going to charity, so and that's what matters. Yeah, 2K starting at 10 a.m. Three rounds, food for the blood god. Check it out. It's for a good cause. Uh, Oregon City Geeks and Gamers Facebook page. Jeremy at Jeremy's Big Mouth, the tyrant of P-Town. I don't know what P-Town is. I'm assuming that's Portland. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Because I've heard some people reference P-Vegas as Platteville, Wisconsin, which I don't understand, Robert. I mean, love you, buddy, but I just don't get the reference. Oh, I don't. Doesn't make any sense. I don't either. But P-Town, I was just like, you know. I'm hoping I, I, it's Portland. But. <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping they don't just they just you know haven't broken the seal yet or something. All right, so oh. all right, 
Grand Alliances. We're going to start off. Um, we're not going to go just straight up in order. Okay, like I would normally go in order, but um, you guys already make fun of how we go through these books like this, like page by page. And so I said, well, let's, let's pick our favorites. And then I said, no, because then I'll miss stuff. And then we said, let's do it. And then so how about, how about we go through the order of Grand Alliance first? Most of you already know the, the four Grand Alliances. So I thought it would be just fun kind of to point out some of the differences. Yeah, there's a couple changes to each one of them. Yeah. So, um, do you want? Yeah. Do you want to start with the good guys? Yeah, let's start with. Uh, yeah, we'll go in the order they show up in the book, which starts with order. Okay. Um, in this now, now you can just re-roll battle shock tests. Period. For all friendly order units in the phase, you don't have to be within twelve inches of your general or a hero. Mm-hmm. It's just you get to re-roll them, which is good. Um, yeah. But then that, uh, let's see, strategic genius, uh, the command trait, used to just be able to use two, or it says uh, once per battle, you could have used two command abilities. Yeah, it was once per battle. Um, and this is one of the ones that changed. So at the start of each of your hero phases, you roll a dice for your general, and on a five or more, you can use two different command abilities in that phase, or use inspiring presence twice. So it's not going to happen as often, but it's a more consistent use than a one-timer. So yeah, You may never get to good. use it if you roll poorly, but if you're lucky, you'll get to use it more than once. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, um, Inspiring completely changed. Yep. Because it they, basically it, um, it went – because the old one used to be – you could reroll your Battleshock test if you were within 12 inches of a hero or the general – and that made it 24 inches, but now you can re-roll them anywhere on the board. So this one's actually pretty nice. If you're within six inches of the general, you just don't take Battleshock tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I li- you don't have to take Battleshock tests. I don't know why you would want to. Flagellants. Oh, okay. Yeah, flagellants are one of the big ones that would really benefit from this. Or, depending on where you are on the board with regards to situation, if you need to die to get something else moving. It's situational for like certain secondary objectives. So it's just one of those things that you don't have to do it, but if you want to do it and it would be beneficial, then do it. Yep. All right. Reckless got a little weaker. It did. Um, Cause before it was uh reroll run and charge rolls for the general and models within a bubble. Now it's just rerolling charges for the general. So most of the time you'll see this on some sort of flying nasty, like a dragon or a phoenix or something. Right. But I don't know. It's still pretty good. It's just you have to play your army a little differently with this kind of change. But it's still good for a combat order character. Now, this is interesting. Um, well, I guess it said stuff that applies. No, Now, the the new rules have stated that stuff applies to your general doesn't apply to the mount. So legendary Unless fighter it says otherwise. Okay, so legendary fighter says add one of the number of attacks the general makes with one melee weapon in each combat phase. A different weapon can be chosen in each phase. Um, the old one actually said you can't apply it to the mount, mm-hmm. uh, but now it doesn't say that. But it doesn't need to because it's implied. So that's no change. Yeah, really. it's also in the general rules that. Unless it otherwise says that these don't apply to mounts, unless it specifically says in the rule. Right. So. So. Um, um, and then the last one hasn't yeah. changed either. Six up ward save. Yeah, and they didn't change tenacious either, which was to give him another wound. Um, and then the artifacts didn't change. 
No, they didn't. So ordered um, some things got a little better and mm-hmm. some things didn't. Um, yeah. The Tenacious got a little weaker, um, but the other things, you know, no battle shock at all within six inches is better than re-rolling in 24. Well, re-rolling in 24 inches was pointless, so this was a nice replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on a five or better, you know, uh, it could be, could be good. Yeah. It's one of those things that with the right command ability, that would be bananas. Right. So it's a situational sort of thing, but still a good option. Yep. All right. So um, overall, I think order got an, a, a bit of a bump. Order the the just the general Grand Alliance. I would say order wound up uh, wound up wound up ahead mm-hmm. uh, from its old one. What do you think about chaos, though? Um, chaos changed quite a bit. Um, so with the battle trait unpredictable destruction now, when you pick a chaos unit from your army to attack in the combat phase, that is within 12 inches of your general or three from another hero. So they change the ranges on this. So your general has a bigger bubble, but your other heroes don't. Um, and then on a six or more, you can add one to all to hit rolls uh, for the unit being rolled in that phase. And this is combat phase only. I mean, the last one was combat phase only too, but it's still worth mentioning because a lot of people talk about sky fires and all of that stuff. So, so the general goes just, from an eight to 12 inch bubble. And the other ones go from eight, eight to, to three. three inch. Well, you know what? Everyone was at eight before, and this makes more sense. Three is a little mm-hmm. small, but I'm, you know, whatever. Um, I think this. I think overall it's a little weaker because those bubbles are smaller for multiple guys, whereas only one guy got larger. But I think uh, lore-wise, this makes more sense. Yeah, the frenzy is going to be around your general. Yep, your general is the guy who's going to really. Every everyone's inspiring this. The general is really inspiring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and then the. Big changes within um, the command traits, uh, Dark Avenger. Um, this, from what I remember, didn't have a bubble effect to it. It was just the general. No, it's exactly. It's worded, I'm looking at them both. I got both sheets. I got both books in front of me, and they're worded exactly the same. Oh, I the general and that. all friendly. In fact, if you've got the new book in front of you, I'm just going to read it out of the old one. The general and all friendly chaos units within ten inches of them. Add one to the hit roll against targets with the order keyword. Well, clearly I didn't pay attention, or I usually just tried to kill that guy first. Yeah. So. Now, Spiteful Destroyer got a little worse because it's the general's melee weapons. The old book, in parentheses, said including their mounts if they have one. Yeah, but that's a, gener- a general rule that changed it, not... Right, but if, you, but if you specifically say it's including the mounts, it would still include the mounts. Mm-hmm. We, we, that's what the FAQ said. They took it out, right? So, yeah, before it, di- it didn't say not including; it said including their mounts. So it was included. Now their mounts are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else. Seems- uh, Lord of War changed. Um, oh yes, that one is uh, a unit within three inches, and you have to roll a dice to get it to activate. 
Right. It used to just be automatic. Add one to the hit rolls for that unit. A friendly cast unit within three inches of the general. Now it's, yeah, it's on a three or more. Mm-hmm. So that activates. That got a little worse. I don't think worse. I mean, it, it still does to. the same thing. Yeah. It it turned it down because before it was um, a lot obnoxious, but <laughs> they turned it down a little and it's okay. Um, and then the other one that changed was Great Destroyer. So you add one to the unpredictable destruction rolls, uh, which is your battle trait for units that are within 12 of the general. So for that one, it does kind of the same thing, but it's that bigger bubble now. Right. With the 12 inches from your general. So if you're going to be playing Chaos, this is a good one to try to get that plus one to hit all the time. Well, actually, that, that's been cut back because the old one was just any units affected by it are affected on a five or six. So it was the general and, then and all they the heroes. FAQ'd it that it only affected the general's range. Oh, did they do that? Yep. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So then, okay, so, so after the F- so no, then it's the same. So it just basically goes back in line. It, it lines up with the 12-inch general's. Yeah, initial bubble is it, it just keeps that the same. Okay, but now it's a bigger bubble of effect because before it was eight, now it's twelve. I gotcha. Right. Well, yeah, because his bubble increased and this was increased to match it. Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay. The crown of conquest changed for the artifacts. Then I think demon weapon just got simpler. Yeah. Pick a melee weapon the model can use. Uh, wound roll a six or more. Inflicts a mortal wound in addition to any other damage. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is, is kind of long. and Okay, roll two dice after it's used to attack and add them together. On a seven or more, you get one mortal wound. Uh, on a total of two, inflict a mortal wound on yourself. So you don't do that anymore. It's just yeah. if you hit the six to attack, you do a mortal wound. Which actually, if you got a lot of attacks, that could be a lot better because you got a much much better chance to roll a bunch of sixes and do multiple mortal wounds. Mortal wounds, uh, especially if you have a bonus to wound rolls. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's actually perfect. Yeah, and then the crown was the other one that changed on these, um, which is you roll a dice for the model with the crown at the start of your hero phase. Uh, five or more, it can use the Inspiring Presence command ability, even if it's not the general. Um, and if the model is the general, on a five or more, it can use the Inspiring Presence ability and another command ability in that same phase, or Inspiring Presence twice. So it's kind of like the order uh, trade for Strategic Genius. Except now but it's not... you can put this on a regular guy, too. Right. Well, you could do that before, except it happened every turn automatically. Now you have to get a five or more. Mm-hmm. So they toned that down a little bit. That's about it. So this, uh, they toned down the Crown of Conquest. Um, and Lord of War. And Lord of War. And they they adjusted the battle trait to adjust a bit to the, to the you know, I would say it fits the lore a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So Chaos, what do you think? Overall... I still think it's good. It's got potential, but there's a lot of uh, armies that got a lot of bumps with the elite abilities. We'll talk about later. So yeah, well, I think it's but still, I think that this one's been toned down a bit. It has been toned down a bit, but they all got kind of toned down. They're a lot more vanilla, and I don't mind vanilla. I actually prefer vanilla 
um, with caramel, but that's besides the point. I like the blueberries. Um, oh, that's disgusting. What are you talking about? Blueberries are gross. They're like heresy in fruit form. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't do the show anymore. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll just disagree um, about blueberries then. Speaking of what blueberries taste like, death. Um, wow. So I will be sure never to make our famous blueberry pie when you come over. I mean, I'm sure it's delicious, just not for me. I got you. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, we have a little the, the blueberry fiasco here. We go on, I guess. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, so many people have said about death. Um, I will say I'm reading. I'm going through this thing. Wow. Um, were these changes that necessary? Like death didn't seem to be kicking too many butts uh, left and right. Maybe now, maybe with the new massive regiment rules and things like that, they knew they they were you know. I'm assuming they know what they're doing, but death seemed to take a bit of a a bit of a a, a punch in the face for. Uh, for uh, for the the allegiance that seemed to have the the least going for it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, death had a lot going for it in the last edition um, of this handbook. But the big thing is with the cheap, cheap, cheap options for bodies that death has, and when you're looking at a lot of these scenarios where it's all about the number of bodies or you can auto claim scenarios. If you have units of 20 or more, it doesn't cost you anything realistically to get a unit of 30, 40 skeletons or zombies. Um, so I'm pretty sure sh- that might be why they did that. Um, just to help mitigate that a little bit. Otherwise you're just going to be grinding through relentlessly and yeah. grind games are okay. But they shouldn't be the end all be all. Maybe you're supposed to be playing it like the old death armies and not just the little smaller elite things, I guess. Maybe that's Yeah, what I mean you can still take the small elite things and the small elite things that they have are really good, but for the general hordes of it. So Yeah. I don't know. All right. So um their their death elite the deathless minions, it basically went from a ten inch to a six inch bubble. Mm-hmm. So a unit has to be within six inches now instead of ten inches to get the six up ward save. Yep. So eh, that got cut back. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. The command traits we had two big changes. Um, Ruler of the night used to be it made the deathless minions save from your general a five up instead of a six. Now it's just doubling his range of deathless minions to 12 inches from him instead of six. Yeah. And before it just negate. Yeah. Add one to the dice roll to see if wounds are negated by the deathless minions battle trait. So that actually worked for everybody. Or did they FAQ that and say it's just for your general as well? It was just for the general as well. Okay. But they changed the, so now it's a bigger bubble. Um, it's bigger than what it was, but it's still only a six. So it's still worth taking, but it's one of those things that, may or may not have needed an adjustment but i understand why the five in why the five up would be obnoxious especially for like 60 or 120 zombies dave um but that's what they do i know of course you're already going to have little unit flags in them that allow them to grow back d6 every turn right so yeah that could be obnoxious 
Hey, I got a question, a total side question here from a guy who runs tournaments and knows things. Let's say I start off with a big unit of 60 and another big unit of 60 and another big unit of 60 or whatever because I'm crazy, right? Now, I know the merge rule doesn't allow me to go past their starting size in a matched play game. Mm-hmm. So they all get beat down, and I'm pulling models off, pulling models off, pulling models off, and I've got my standard bear and musician or whatever the heck special characters they have in all three units, and then I merge them into one big unit again. Um, does just I mean, I'm assuming only one counts. What do the other two do? Like, or when one start dying, if I pull them off, can the other ones just step in and be the guy? Um, is there is, is there any ruling on how that works? Not that I'm aware of. My gut inclination is you only get the effects of one of their banners. Okay, but as um, I'm pulling them off, if I've got three left and I pull one off, just one of the other guys can still give me the effect? I mean... I would believe so. It's a it's a really weird mechanic, and it's very unique and very flavorful to them. But it's one of those things that enters into a little bit of muddy water. Uh, I, I, like I said, I just figured only one would work, but I'd have three there, so as I'm losing models... You know, when it gets down to my last 10, 12 guys and I've got three banners and three musicians, it's like, well, I can peel these couple off and still be getting the music, you know, that going. So mm-hmm. just basically, as long as you had one left, that's the one that counts. So, all right, that's uh, good enough for me. Um, and then Red Fury was the other big change. Yeah. So Red Fury... Um, it used to be you roll the dice after they attacked, and if it's less than the number of wounds you inflicted, you get to you can immediately attack again. Mm-hmm. So if you can get in four, five, six wounds, which you could on some of these combat monster guys, then you roll low and you attack again. Now, after he's done attacking, you roll a dice, and on a five or more, they can pile in and attack again. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter how many you do, it's on a five or more. Um, that's that's I yeah. That's not nearly as good. It depends. Um, of course, if you only do is, one wound, you might get to right. go again. Yeah, it's more consistent for that you're going to hit it for characters that aren't just vampire lords on zombie dragons. So yep. it's more consistent for other characters, which is okay. And supernatural horror actually got. A little bigger, twelve inch range instead of ten inch range. So it's mm-hmm. just a little bigger. Um, honestly, the the Red Fury. Wow, if you fluff a roll, you could still get that extra attack. It's not that bad. No, and it's, it's always not. on it's... a five or six. But I mean, you could roll. You could do three or four wounds or five wounds even, and roll that six and not get anything. So mm-hmm. I suppose six and one, half a dozen of the other. This is an easier way to do it. It's I, I don't know. I don't play much death, although I've been reading through all these different death allegiances, and I'm tempted to start rebasing. But then I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my Duarden are so good. Like, I, I'm spoiled for choice. Everybody's good. <laughs> yeah, it is. I just don't have enough time to redo everything. Of course, redoing the bases would probably, I could probably do a quick and sloppy job. Although I don't know if I want to do quick and sloppy. Although I got rid of so many of my zombies, I have to do new ones. That's what I'm holding off for, really. The big holdoff that I've done on my death army is I want to use Games Workshop zombies, but I don't want to use Game Workshop zombies. Yeah. No, they are, uh, praying that they're not they, pretty. And I'm praying that they come out with a new set of zombie models. Mm-hmm. And, dude, and you can AOSify them. Like, I don't, you have zombies. Do something. 
They are seriously, is there an older kit that is currently in production that you can think of? Then those zombies. I mean, they're just, they got those giant light bulb heads. And and they got those power fists. I mean, they're just, they're just. Night runners, maybe. Are those, are those the, plastic? The scave, yeah. The night runners are the plastic ones that came out, I think, around the time that Mordheim did. Oh. Um, because the Mordheim original box was a box of free company. And a chunk of Night Runners, maybe plus like a conversion kit. So, and those guys are the nasty monkey Skaven with the gigantic tails that are separate pieces from the body, and those big giant monkey hands and feet. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Ninja Rats would be cool, but I'm just saying Ninja Rats would be cool. <laughs> um, did the Ring of Immortality change? Yeah, there were two big changes, and the ring was one of them. Um, there's a lot of irk on this one with the FAQ from the original GHB because it cost reinforcement points to bring your character back. And now so, it doesn't, right? Now it doesn't. The first time it suffers a final wound, on a one or two it's slain, on a three or more it heals D3 wounds instead. Yep, so it does not die. So you do not have to pay reinforcement points for it. If it is not slain, remove it from the battlefield, set it up again within 12 inches of original location, more than 3 inches away from any models. If this is impossible, the model remains in its current location. So, boom. That's not bad. You don't have to pay for it. It's not. And with some of the vampire um, artifacts that they have built into themselves, where they can heal D6 wounds. So, you have a guy that, okay, he got banged up, he got dead, and then he came back, and then... Pops the potion, and he's back up to whatever number of wounds that is, and then they can heal wounds when they kill stuff. So that's a good option still. I mean, I know it's like a one in th- a one in three chance you're going to die, die, mm-hmm. but to get a two in three chance that you're going to live and then kick some more butt, that's not a bad thing. Tomb Blade seems to be better. Mm-hmm. It used to be if any attacks were made and slayed an enemy model, you can heal one wound suffered by the bearer or another death model within six inches for each model that you kill. So for every model you kill, you get back a wound. Here, uh, every wound roll of six you make with that weapon, you just automatically get back a wound or to give it to someone else. Yep. So even if they've got an amazing save, it doesn't matter. I made a wound roll of six. Okay, before I'm doing anything, I'm putting back wounds on this guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of good. Yeah, it is. Uh, especially if you're up against... Now, yeah, now granted, it's great to heal back wounds if I'm rolling, uh, you know, and I'm killing, uh, you know, hordes of skinks or tons of other things. That's awesome. But when I'm facing ogres... Or things with a really high armor save. Or things with a high armor save, and I can maybe only kill one a turn. Suddenly that's not as good. But now it's just every, you know, I have a chance to get a wound back with every wound roll I make. I like that. Yeah. Um, And then the other one that changed was the Cloak cloak of Mist and Shadows. Yeah. Um, Now, this one was previously, you pick the guy up, and you replace him anywhere within 12 inches in your hero phase. And then he can still move afterwards. 
Um, so for this one, you use the cloak instead of piling in and attacking in the combat phase. When it does so, you remove the model from the battlefield and set it up again within 12 inches of its original location and more than 3 inches away from any enemy models. And if that's impossible, this model remains in its current location. You could literally so this is your... do it 10 times in a game if you were in combat turn 1, like against one of these armies that, that get in there turn 1. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you can then move out of range for cheeky pile-ins from other units that multi-charge you. But also it gets your general out of dodge, or your character, whoever it is, it gets out of dodge so they may not get hurt as much. Um, it kind of stinks. I did like the general movement redeploy in the hero phase, but this one you can use it multiple times per game now, and it then means you can free your general up to then go and charge into something else instead of being stuck in the combat you were in. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like all their artifacts got better. Um, you know, in the master red fury, I don't, I actually don't mind the change. Yeah. It's not that bad. It's different. It's not as good as it was, but it's, it's more consistent. It's it's just that the Deathless Minion trait got smaller. Mm-hmm. So you either need a couple extra heroes or that. I don't know. I think... I don't know. Death seems like it kind of stayed at an even level. Yeah. I would concur. Would you say that? Like, it, Yeah. I mean, some of the cool things it had went down... But I think if you start playing them with the newer rules and the bigger hordes, it's not gonna, that's not going to be so bad. And the mm-hmm. actual cool things they got, I mean, come on, the Ring of Immortality, yes, it only gives back D3 wounds. You don't get to bring back the model at full wounds. But you but never you're did. And out now you're not nose. paying for it. Yeah. So, and if, there's no point in paying for a 440-point Vampire Lord on a dragon twice. True. So... I don't know. All right. Just my so thought. what do we got left? Destruction. Ugh. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Because Destruction's gotten some cool stuff. It did. Sort of. Um, I have been playing with this battle trait for a couple of games now. Um, I forget to do it. Total honesty, I forget to do it. Um, it's... Just my opinion. I don't like it as much. I don't think it works for my particular flavor of destruction, which is Moon Clan Grotz. So I don't necessarily want to get into fights all the time. I only have a couple of things that can fight. So for me, this destruction trait was kind of a miss. But for more combat-y destruction armies, I think it's good. So for this one... This one's kind of complicated, so bear with me on this one. Instead of what it was, which was you just moved units within range of your heroes in your hero phase, um, you roll a dice for each one of your heroes and your general, and you add two to the roll if the model you're rolling for is your general. And on a six or more, you pick a friendly destruction unit within six inches of the general or the hero being rolled for. So you can't have your general bounce it off another hero on the other side of the table. That unit can immediately move six inches if it's more than 12 inches away from the enemy. It can immediately pile in if it is within three inches of the enemy or can immediately declare a charge in any other circumstances. 
And when it makes the move, it cannot run, but can still move, charge, or pile in again later in the same turn. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh... Huh. Can it immediately move six inches? So before it was... That sounds pretty good to me. The first half sounds great. It's just, it's one of those things that it's a situational particular thing in my case where my grots don't get the benefit of this as much as like a gut busters or mixed fighty destruction is going to get. It's not going to be the same benefit. So, okay. I think that's just me playing Moon Clan and I'm okay with that. But I don't know. It's kind of a hit or miss on this one. It's not as reliable as what it used to be. But realistically, it almost made destruction armies like way too quick with the constant move and move and move. So, I don't know. It's one of those things that it is what it is. You're just going to have to learn to make it work. So, yeah, right. I'm done griping <laughs> about that one. Sorry, folks. Went off on my own little tangents, and, you know, that's just my opinion. But, um,. So, we had a couple of command traits that got changed. Uh, nothing left standing. So, the situation is the same. You pick a terrain feature within six, six inches of your general and at least five other friendly destruction models. Now, it's that terrain feature no longer provides cover. Before, okay. it just completely removed all special rules of that cover, of that terrain feature. It didn't count for anything. So, you could turn off wild woods. Um, you could shut down realm gates before now, and now it's just you cancel cover, which is still good, but Sylvanas can still use it to teleport, and the realm gate doesn't turn off. It just doesn't count as cover anymore. Gotcha. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, some of this stuff seems the same. Yeah, Bellowing Tyrant is the other big one that changed... Um, I'm still using this one. I'm still liking it. Um, so what this does is you pick a friendly destruction unit within six inches of your general in your hero phase. And until your next hero phase, you add one to the charge and run rolls for the unit. And they get to use the general's bravery characteristic for them instead of their own. Which is cool if you're playing Oryx or Ogres. Yeah. But my Moon Clan got Bravery 5 it is not that big of an improvement. Um, so, but again, it's a, almost like a secondary command ability for the army because getting the plus one to run in charge is normally like something you would see on a command ability or on a spell. So this is nice for having that little extra pip. And if you time this right, where you do that first and then you roll for the rampaging destroyers to try to move, you actually get plus one to like the charge roll. If you're within side of 12. So it makes those longer charges more possible when you use the Rampaging Destroyer charge. Ah, okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, what else changed? A Wild Fury got a little worse. Um, it used to be you get one to hit if you lost any wounds. And one to hit and wound if they're less than half their wounds. Now it's just add one to the hit rolls if they suffered any wounds. 
So when you get down to half, you get no bonus. Yep. And Ravager, you add one to the dice roll for Rampaging Destroyer, not two. Right, because now it changes the number. So it goes to a three off of your general, which is still pretty good, and it's going to be more consistent that way. Okay, and does that... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, so... yeah. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, before you got none, right? And now you get two, and then you got two, and now you get... Now it actually makes it three. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Any other big I, changes we need to talk about? Destruction Boy? Uh, the Battle Brew changes a lot. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot about that. And this one was... I mean, I never took it because I never had a character worthy of it. But with this one, you can... Once per battle, in any of your hero phases, you can take a pound off the battle brew for either one or two swigs. If the hero takes a swig, you add one to the hit and wound rolls until your next hero phase. So it only happens once. But if you take two swigs, you add two to the hit and wound rolls for the model until your next hero phase. But then you take D6 mortal wounds at the end of the turn in which you drank it. And it doesn't count for your mount. Nope. Uh-huh. Yeah, that got a lot more. Okay, because the battle rule is kind of ridiculous. I think everybody th- agrees there. Like, I don't think anybody saw this and said, oh, that's terrible. They they really ruined my whole army. Like, even people who played it all the time were like, yeah, that was that was, that was was totally bogus. In fact, I think I forget who what show I was listening to, but I was cracking up. It might have been uh, Face Hammer where they're like, it might have even been less. He's like, yeah, what are they leaning down and just like, you know, here take us giving a swig to their to the to the to the mount. Here, try some of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was less. Yeah, <laughs> that actually, I was cracking up when they were saying I was driving in the car. I was cracking up when they were when they were saying that because that's that is true. It was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. And now, ooh, but don't, now you can't do it every turn either. So you actually have to be strategic with it. You don't just auto take it and use it every turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, and the D six is kind of. And we used to we used to take one mortal wound at every hero face for the rest of the game. Yeah, now uh, this can possibly instant kill you. Yeah, I mean, unless you're on one of those big mounts again. But uh, uh, let's see, what else changed? Oh, the talisman, the uh, four up ward against mortal wounds, became a five up ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um. They actually got rid of the blade of interpretation and changed it to the bellowing blade, which does almost the same thing, except it's not pluses to attacks or to hits. It's now you just get to re-roll one failed rune roll for this model for each enemy hero within 12 inches of it. Yep, that's exactly the same as before. Oh, well, they changed the name. Yeah, they actually changed the name of the uh, gem of seeing to the rock eye. We got the rock eye back. It's amazing. Uh, it does the same thing, too, though. In the hero phase, pick an enemy unit within 12 inches. Add one to all hit rolls made by this model against the chosen unit until your next hero phase. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So that's the main Grand Alliance ones. Um, do you want to take a break, and we'll come back for the oddballs? Yeah, let's do that. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back for everybody who actually got some battalions along with them, too. So, all right, we'll be back in a minute, folks.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back, plugging along here at a slow but steady pace, getting these boys done. So what do you, okay, you play Destruction. Overall, how do you think the general Destruction rules went? Do you think they they took a bit of a hit or they stayed about the same? I think they took a bit of a hit. The movement, for for some armies, it was abrasive, like the Iron Fist for Iron Jaws. Plus the destruction move um, made the whole thing move a little too quick um, to be fun. But for those of us that were kind of like poddling along, if we didn't play the Moo Clan or anything like that, um, I don't know. I still enjoy playing the army for what it is. Um, I'm not going to take it to like a competitive tournament, at least the one I have right now. So. Uh-huh. But it's okay. It's still fun, and that's more what it's about, anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it. That's yeah. That's the thing. Uh, some of this stuff was just not cool to play against, and needed to be toned down. Um, and I think we mentioned that, you know, things yeah. that <laughs> things that nobody was having fun with, and even the people playing it were like, "Yeah, this is probably no fun." Then you got to get rid of it. But why don't we stick with destruction? Because this Iron Jaws stuff, we wah. <laughs> Yeah. I like this. Yeah, destruction or these guys got a huge bump. Um, okay. Not just in the points costs because they most of them did go down. Well, but, those things were a little overpriced. I I felt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They definitely hot these guys a little closer to what is right. And, and hopefully, we'll start seeing cool stuff that's not just all that the those shooty orcs. I'd like to see some orcs doing orky things and shooting. Oh yeah, and these guys do orky things. All right, so they got three battle traits. Yeah, they did. And, dude, some of this stuff, oh, my God, some of this stuff synergizes so well with other things in here. And you're, I'm just reading this going, oh, my, this is stupid. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, Okay, it so is. let's start. First, they got Mighty Destroyers. Uh, roll a dice for your general and each. Add two to the roll for the general on a six or more. Pick a friendly unit within six of the general or hero being rolled for. And they can move. Six. So that's the same rule as, as the as the allegiance ability, isn't it? It's a little different because you only add two to the roll for your general if they are a mega boss. Oh, okay. So it can't be a war chanter or a shaman. It's got to be a mega boss. Of course it does. Of course it does. Thematic and cool. Yeah. So it has to be a mega boss in order to get that bonus. So they don't get the bonus. Otherwise, it's a six. And if they get it, they can pick a unit within uh, six inches. Uh, move six if it's more than 12 inches from an enemy. Immediately pile in if it's within three inches of the enemy or declare a charge 
if it's less than 12 but more than 3. I still love that. I just love it. I cannot run when it makes the move, but it can move, charge, or pile in again later in the same turn. So it gets a pile in, but not an attack, but it can still pile in later. Mm-hmm. So, it, oh, jeez. This yeah, is... and it's useful for the big units of brutes because they are on big bases and they only have like a very puny range on their weapons. So for them to get to pile in multiple times and bring around more guys to help, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Exactly. All right. Do um, you want to take Smashing and Bashing? This, I when I played, when I was I actually play tested Iron Jaws, um, and I almost did it, but I completely forgot about this rule, and it would have changed the complete outcome of the game. So if you play Iron Jaws, this is the important one. Um, so if attacks made by an Iron Jaws unit in the combat phase result in any enemy units being completely destroyed, the fr- closest friendly Iron Jaws unit that has not fought yet gets to pile in an attack instead of waiting to make its attacks normally later in the phase. Whoo, boy. So you, here, instead of picking your big bad that you really want to hit first, you may pick that unit that's just about wiped out. Mm-hmm. Wipe it out, and then the unit nearest it, they get to attack. Now, you can start a chain reaction with this, can't you? You could do the whole army, if depending on what you're fighting. Oh. The, I mean, the circumstances need to be right. You need to wipe out units. But if you can get a couple of small units and pick them in the right order and get that next guy right next to you. Yeah, or like oh. characters. If you can tag units or if you delete them as they get whittled down from combat, then you can set off the chain. Yeah. And then just as an important note, the destructive bulk on the Maw Crusher happens in the movement or in the charge phase. It doesn't happen in the combat phase. So the Crusher's charge does not trigger this. Oh, okay. But that's great. Yeah. Oh, and then we and get the, eager for battle, plus one to any charge rolls made for Iron Jaws. Yeah. So they're already charging. Well, if you're within three and you need that three to go and you roll the deuce, you still you get that charge. You'll if you can if you get that close, you know that always oh anything but. Mm-hmm. You, you got the butt. <laughs> yeah, you eliminate that, and with. Ard boys, they now charge plus three inches instead of plus two normally. So they have a minimum five inch charge. Oh, that's right. Because of what their drummer does. Okay, so now they got a five inch minimum charge. And they yeah, got a 15 inch maximum. <laughs> now, can they, they still can't declare. They, they have to, they have, can they? They have to be within 12. But that matters for placing models for fighting. Oh, yeah, because you'll swoop all the way around the army, uh-huh. all the way around the unit to get to the other side to make sure that when you do pile in. And now let's mix that in with some of these command traits. Um, you know, re-rolling wound rolls are one for attacks, re-rolling failed hit rolls if you charged. I mean, that stuff is common. You see that a lot. I like roll the dice. At the, okay, brutish cunning is just... So it's your enemy's charge phase. 
on a five or more, one friendly Iron Jaws unit within six inches of general can charge as if it was their charge phase, and it takes place before the enemy charges. Mm-hmm. Does it happen often? No, not unless you've got garage hammer dice. But that's awesome. Like, yeah. And once again, story-wise, it's just like they're about to charge. Nope. Because within six inches of the general, I mean, you got one model within six inches. They could be way out there. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, they charge in. And that could, I mean, now you've locked down units that he wants to charge with. Especially if you can get in there. Especially and, if they get. Go ahead. Especially if it's a unit that gets bonuses for charging. Well, it already gets a one. No, no, the unit that you charged. Oh, right. Oh. It's good. Yeah, the Inspiring Presence gets D3 units. I don't know if that's better than the Brutish Cunning. I like that one more consistently because Bravery is a problem with Iron Jaws, especially on their Brutes. It's not particularly good. So being able to guarantee that you have good bravery and that your guys are not going to run away is not a bad option. Okay. Uh, what about Prophet of the Wah? All right. So when your general uses the Wah or Mighty Wah command ability, you can re-roll a dice to see if the relevant units can make an extra attack. Um, but if the general does not have one of those, they get the Wah command ability from the Orc Megaboss War Scroll. <laughs> That's a good that that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean that's It is. Um and with the cost reduction in Iron Jaws units, you're gonna see more of them on the table. So you're gonna get the Wah and Mighty Wah more consistently. Which is just giving you more attacks within the bubble, which is awesome. Cause they are a low number, but they make up for it in output. Cool. And then the last one is you get to reduce the rend characteristic of all weapons targeting your general by one. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one, especially for mega bosses because they have a three up save. Yeah. Whether or not they're on the cabbage or not. So being able to ignore rend one makes them a lot more survivable. Yeah. And with Stormcast, almost, I mean, I, uh, I have a lot of rend, but it's all one. Yeah. I mean, only my only. Uh, I think only the guy on the Drakoth is going to have more than one rend. Almost nothing has more than one rend, at least of the stuff that I've been playing. I mean, you're going to have to take big stuff to do that. Mm-hmm. So taking that down, that's great. Yeah, and, and even that'll be helpful hit- against fire slayers. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about those guys in a minute. <laughs> but, oh, stupid little doors. All right. So, um, and the artifacts aren't bad either. No. If your save roll is a six or more, the attacking unit takes a mortal wound. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, increase the damage characteristic of one of your melee weapons by one. That shows up a lot, but it's, you know. Uh, let's see. Roll a die for each mortal. Oh, yeah, there's a six-up uh, ward against all wounds, mortal and, and I almost said otherwise. Immortal. What else? What else we got here? Uh, golden tooth. So friendly iron jaws units within six unit within six inches of this model auto pass battle shock if this model has slain any models in the previous combat phase. So that's pretty good. Yep. Um, then we got metal ripa's claw, which is you get to bump the rend of one of your weapons by one, which is always a good thing. And this last one, my personal favorite, um, you get to add plus one to the bravery of all friendly iron jaws units within twelve inches. 
in the Battleshock phase and subtract one from the bravery of enemy units within 12 in the Battleshock phase. That's a big swing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with multi-wound models like Iron Jaws have, because even just rolling one over is a lot to yeah. lose. So, yeah. I mean, what's awesome. the average bravery on those on those on those bigger mounted units? Uh, the pigs are seven. Uh, the brutes are only five or six. They're not very good. So yeah, but um, that one boost, you know, if you if you lose one on a bravery six, on a six you lose another. And here you don't even have to test if you only lose one that way, you know? Yeah. I mean and there's three just three ones with a four up save. It's little things like that though that really can swing that last bit of a combat. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into these War Scroll battalions. Cause I think they're pretty good. I think I think one stands out a little more than the other, personally. Mm-hmm. But I think they're both. I mean, and I'm I'm looking up the points right now because let's see. So the first one we got is the Blood Toofs. This one is a 140 point battalion. But we also figured if you got to take um, the Iron Fist along with it then the Iron Fist costs 160. So it's actually a 300-point battalion because you got to pay for the other battalion. So mm-hmm. it'll cost you 300 points to play Blood Toofs. And Iron Suns uh, costs you 280. So let's talk about the Blood Toofs. you got to take a Mega Boss. You on a Cabbage. Take, yeah, on a Cabbage. you got to take the Iron Fist, which I don't have that in front of me. Um, basically what that does is you get a 2d6 movement in either your first hero phase or every hero phase. Oh I boy. exactly which one it is. So it's a, it's either 2d6 or d6. Either way, it's a big deal. Um, especially with the change in mighty destroyers. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know what you, it says it must contain five units. I don't know exactly what units you have to take. It's a couple units. It's at least one or two units of Brutes, one or two units of Ard Boys, and I think a War Chanter. Okay. So it's it's mostly guys on foot, though. Yeah, it's the guys that you would take anyway. Okay. Now, the nice thing about this is you get into this, then it may contain the following. Zero to four War Scroll Battalions from the Brute Fist, the Gord Fist, the Weird Fist, or the Iron Fists. So you can add more battalions of these other fists. And any number of additional Iron Jaws units. Yes, this is one of your one-drop options. Well, not only that, but now you can take in those guys. Who are the guys who have the plus two to their charge already? Ard Boys. Ard Boys, okay. So now you throw in some Ard Boys. Well, didn't you say that takes with the Iron Fist? Maybe I'm just dumped up. Um, but this is where you get to add in, like, the uh, Gorgruntas and a few other things that wouldn't necessarily fit into the blood to, into the Iron Fist Battalion based right. on how many of what you can have. So you take all that extra stuff. And here's your abilities. Plus one to the result of all run and charge rolls in a Blood Tooth Battalion. Well, you've already got plus one as a battle trait, eager for battle. So now you got plus two for your whole army. Yeah, for charging. Yeah, for charging. Plus one for running. And your hard boys are charging at a plus four. Yeah. I mean, that's a minimum six-inch charge right there. Mm Mm-hmm. You roll a deuce, and you get a six-inch charge. Those long 12-inch charges now, all you need is an eight. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's that's that's 
I mean, you're getting into combat when you want to, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one, you get to set up a realm gate in your opponent's territory before they set up any units. While there's a realm gate on the battlefield, add two to the bravery of all units in the Bloodtooth Battalion. In addition, if the battalion is a part of an army that wins a minor victory and there's a baleful realm gate on the battlefield, they can use a triumph in the next battle. Now, that I don't know how that works in tournaments. It probably doesn't. You don't get to do it necessarily. Right. Um, but if you're playing in any of the campaigns or the narrative things, you you know, then it, you probably could. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, heck, if I was running a narrative campaign, I might just say, you know what? Yep, you get it. Yep. Take it. You know what? It's a narrative campaign. I mean, whatever. Um, just But that, I mean, 300 points is a lot, but to make your army a one drop and to get plus two to your charges or plus four to your charges for a certain for a big chunk of your army, that's good. Plus two to your charges, especially even when you've got those, the, you know, the pig riders and stuff, they can already move. Yeah, and I think they get a bonus for getting a nine or more. If they're more, yeah, if they're more than nine inches away and they successfully complete a charge, then their damage on the pigs does D3 wounds instead. So you can hit that longer charge now on a seven. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it's But you so have to be good. nine inches away, so. All right. It's a good thing. So why don't you take the Iron Sun? Okay, so this one requires the exact same thing. You need a Mega Boss and a Cabbage and an Iron Fist. With five um, units minimum. With five units. So it's the exact same thing. Um, the only the difference tubes. is... Oh, you get an Ard Fist, not a Weird Fist. Yeah, you can take an Ard Fist Battalion, not a Weird Fist. Exactly. That's the only difference. Yeah. Um, so as far as the abilities, um, your general, uh, before the first battle round takes place, you roll a dice, and on a three or more... Your mega boss has come up with a cunning plan that has left the enemy completely unprepared for the attack, and you get to subtract one from the hit rolls of attacks made by enemy units in the first battle round. That's a big deal for an army that has to foot slog it across the table. Well, because it just says hit rolls, so that includes shooting. Yep, but also, I mean, you guys, I mean, this is an army that can actually get across to the other side if they move forward you can get across to them sometimes on turn one mm-hmm. so if you do get into those first turn charges and those first turn combats there's they're not only are you getting into them right away they're not hitting you as well mm-hmm. and then we've got one other thing uh you got your general has one other cool ability oh that's right here give him this thing what does this actually mean Okay, so for those that are not familiar with it, um, he, the war boss or mega boss starts as having slain an enemy hero before the battle starts, and with the choice of and with the weapon of your choice from those listed on your war scroll, um, for the purposes of his strength from victories ability. Now, what that does is when the mega boss kills a character, he gets to add plus one to the attacks characteristic and heal a wound. On that weapon, particularly. Okay. So essentially, you get to take one of your weapons and give it plus one attack, and you go up a wound. Oh, that's right, because you can go over your starting amount with that that mm-hmm. healed wound, can't you? Yeah. So this is going to be a war boss on a crusher, so he goes up to fifteen or sixteen wounds. 
And he's already um, getting the extra attack. Yeah, from one of his nasty weapons. So good. And if you took a nasty artifact, you could make that weapon even better. Oh, yeah. See, I like I like this. Like, yeah, this this is great. Like, talk about. I mean, they needed something, mm-hmm. and they and got it. it. Yeah. So, you kind of hit him at before. Do you want to talk fire slayers? Uh, sure. We can talk about them before we talk Seraphon. Oh yeah. So we. Oh, so one extra attack on a weapon that if you took the right artifact already has plus one rend or plus one damage. Yep. So dumb. Okay. But it's good. <laughs> so good. Okay, Fire Slayers. Um, okay, we all know I love the Dwarden. Uh, this. Remember we just said I, w- I want to do the death, but I still had my Dwarden? Mm-hmm. I, I'm so spoiled for choice on what to play and what to build and what to paint. Uh, these guys need to come out on the field soon. If not, oh, this is just... I don't know which of the three Duarden to make my main force and which to ally in after reading all their rules. Yes. <laughs> These, but I, every time I read the Fire Slayers, I think they might be the ones. Mm-hmm. All right. So their battle trait is Urgold runes. They've got five different runes. Okay. At the six. start. Oh, they do have six. That's right. I'm sorry. They have six different runes. At the start of your hero phase, you can activate one. Okay, you roll a die on one to five. It works on a six. It really works. So they all work. You can only do one per turn and you can only do it once per battle. So you kind of have to time it out. Um, I love that there's six because most games are five rounds. So you don't even have to use all six of these and you're not going to like you need. You get, but you get even it's not like. There's always five. You're always using the, all five. It's just what order you're picking them in. There's something you're not going to even use. Um, and these are awesome. Um, I'll, I'll take the first one. We'll just trade off on these. Why don't you? Now, picture this. Sure. Start of every hero phase. You get to pick one of these things to do. Reroll hit rolls of one. All right. That's not bad. Reroll hit rolls of one for all friendly fire slayer units. I'm just going to assume we're just taking... A whole fire slayer army for the for reading this. So so boom, the whole army. And it's only in the combat phase, so no reroll on your axes. No reroll on your axes, but in the combat phase, reroll hits of one. Now, if I hit the six, I also get an extra attack for all for my melee weapons used by fire slayer units. So during the combat phase, I'm rerolling ones, and I got plus one attack on all those things. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty good. It is. Or, um, ooh. what's next? So, next one is Rune of Searing Heat. Um, so, you get to add one to the damage characteristic of attacks made by friendly Fire Slayer units if the wound roll for the attack was a six or more. This one also doesn't specify if it's combat or shooting, so you get it for both. And then the big bonus is enemy units within three inches of friendly Fire Slayers when this rune is hit also suffer a mortal wound. Yep. So plus one damage if you roll a six to wound, and oh, dude, this really went off. <laughs> just damage. Just take some damage. Here you go, handing it out. Enemy mm-hmm. units within three inches of the friendly fire slayers. So in this one, um, you know, this is when you're you that that becomes more effective if you hit the six 
and you're taking it while once once all the combats are going on. Right. Because it's friendly fire slayers. It's just every friendly fire slayer unit. Any unit within three inches of any fire slayer unit, boom, taking a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Then you get awakened steel. Plus one rend for melee weapons used by friendly fire slayer units. Oh, if I hit the six, make that plus two. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the picks go to rend three on the big effect. That's Galmaraz level. Yeah. I mean, rend plus one rend for all of the units is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, plus one rend is good. You know, plus two is just crazy. Yeah. I mean, look at all the models that ignore one rend. Ignore one rend. Or, minor, you know, ignore rend if it's only one rend. Okay, well, now it's two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I rolled a six. Now it's three. Die. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I mean, how often is a six going to come up? Well, maybe once a game, statistically. Mm-hmm. But boy, when it does, it's just, it's it's glorious. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? Next one is Fiery Determination. So friendly fire slayers don't have to take Battleshock tests. Okay. That's always helpful. And then the big one, um, friendly fire slayer models that are slain in the combat phase are not removed until the end of the phase, and in the meantime can still pile in and attack normally. So you don't get to lose any of your attacks. And this is kind of like what the old Slayer rule was, where if you kill them, they get to hit you back. Yep, except now it's just, well, don't take them off. So you put a dice behind the unit saying this is how many are dead, but they ain't dying until I get my attacks. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, here's the thing. If they've already attacked, meh, you're out of luck. Right. You know, it doesn't say they can pile in an attack uh, even if they've already done it. That would be awesome, but it doesn't say that. Um, you get Relentless Zeal next. Uh, plus four to the movement characteristic. And if you hit the big one, plus four to the charge roll. This would be a good one early in the game if you really want to just haul up the board. Yeah. And if you don't use it right away in the game or if you... If you don't use it turn one and then somebody double turns you and they get up there, suddenly, you know, even by turn two, plus four to the charge is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You can get these guys in there. What's the last one? This one I like a lot because it made something that was, use, like, quote, useless and something amazing. So this is Farsight. You get to add eight inches to the range of attacks made with fire steel throwing axes by friendly fire slayer units. So it goes from 8 to 16 inches on the throw, which is nice. like Herculean. <laughs> and if you hit the big effect, you get to reroll hit rolls of 1 for attacks made with the throwing axes. Um, this is amazing. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there, especially if you tunnel units um, with the rune smiter, because then you can just pop up and say, hello, and here's 120-odd axes. Or something to that extent. They can dish out so many attacks with the axes now. And with the Warrior Kinbad Battalion, you get to shoot twice with your axes <laughs> with everybody in that battalion. So you can just rain axes down. Yeah, it's good. It's amazing. It's, it, it makes me happy. Like, and Okay, and that's just the battle traits. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's just one. So you get one of these things every turn. And it's like, 
well, yeah, that thing is awesome that you're touting, but that's only on a six. Yeah, but even if you don't get it, like the main one is still really good. There's nothing bad here. And the best part about it is depending on how you're playing and how the game's going, you could really sort of think these through and say, okay, this is best for me now, you know, and 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 sort of set up, you know, when you, when you it, – it, suddenly the best thing for that turn is, Unless you've already burned it and not thought about it, suddenly you you can really go and and pick the best thing for that be, for that moment, which I love. Yeah, it's a more it's a resource management part, which definitely adds to it because if you burn it too early, you may need it later. So there is a cost benefit analysis here too. So it right. makes you think, which is good. All right, so command traits. Uh, we have some of the basics. Um, uh, units within 12 inches of the general don't take battle shock. Once per battle, you can pile in and attack again immediately after you've attacked. Um, you know, reduce the rend. Uh, I like re- not reduce the hit, but reduce the rend characteristics of all attacks against the general by one to a minimum of zero. That's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Because like, oh, you can still hit me and you can do all that, but you don't get to rend. I'm still getting my full save. It's nice. Yep. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Plus one damage no, yeah. if you roll a six or more. That's not bad. Yeah, and it's especially big if you are searing heat for that turn, because then you would add plus two damage to it. Oh yeah. So if you've got that one, suddenly it's plus two damage, and if yeah, that's just that's good. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, and once per battle, as long as the general's alive, you can use a dice roll of five to activate an enhanced effect instead of a six. You don't have to call this either. It's just when a five comes up, you can be like, that counts. Mm-hmm. So if you're really hoping for the six and you get a five, and I, I, I don't see people saving that hoping they get a five later. No, they're probably going to hit it the first one they get. Just in case another one doesn't pop up. Right. But so, yeah, when that pops up. The only other thing I like is that first one. Uh, fire Slayers within six inches of the general can move an additional three inches when they pile in. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. And they're on bigger bases for Dwarden. So being able to get more guys in, especially with short range of weapons. So Right. It's a good thing. How do you like these artifacts, too? Um, They're okay. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> we got subtract one from the hit rolls of attacks made against the model in the combat phase if neither the attacker nor the model charged during this turn. Um, it's kind of situational. Yeah. But for the long, drawn-out combats, it does give you a buff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, but it's got to be that, like you said, it's got to be that drawn-out combat. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see, and then we got Ancestor Rune, so you get to add one to the wound rolls for the weapon that you pick if the target is a monster, so kind of situational. Um, but of course it's this, the Ancestor Rune, because they used to be slayer, you know, you'd have giant slayers, troll slayers, deep dragon slayers, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this one I really like, which is add six inches to the range of any command abilities used by this model in the hero phase. Your Fire Slayers characters already have pretty good-sized bubbles for their command abilities. Now it's even bigger. Yeah. So. and I mean, that's a lot. I mean, when you figure it a bubble, six inches, you're taking up another foot of the board in that, with that circle now. 
Yeah, because I think the rune father on Magma Droth is like a 20-inch bubble as it is. So a 26-inch each direction off of Magma Droth. If you're standing in the middle of the board, you're going from edge to edge right there. Pretty close to it, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. The volcanic rune's not bad. Uh, choose a die for each enemy unit that had any wounds inflicted upon it by this weapon on a three or more. It takes a mortal wound. So you pick a melee weapon, you do that. Unless you're splitting your attacks between multiple units, I mean, it's just you're doing one more. On a three up, you do an extra mortal wound. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose if you have this weapon, you could try to split. You know, I'm going to split this up between these units trying to divvy out extra mortal wounds, but that's work. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have a lot of attacks from the characters. I think even the Rune Father only has three attacks. So this would be good on a Grimwrath, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's not that great. Um, it's really the command traits and the battle traits that, that shine. Um, oh, yeah. Once per battle, you can automatically unbind a spell cast by any enemy within any wizard within 18 inches. So, eh, that's good. Um, increase the range of the bear's fire steel throwing axes to 16 inches and the damage to D3. That made me chuckle. Just because. Why? Well, then, if you pop the axe rune, it's a 24-inch throwing axe. <laughs> See? Makes you chuckle. That, yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's a... Yeah, that, yeah, that's a throwing axe. It's not a crossbow. It's not a bow and arrow it's not yeah it's a <laughs> you essentially make him thor for a turn yeah <laughs> just spinning end over end all across the battlefield just pass this guy pass that guy pass the other guy thwunk right in someone's head oh that's great okay so um they got really cool stuff um obviously they're they're their trait is is the key. The command ability is good. Um, pick a decent artifact, but that's not where the power is. It's no. It's in this other thing. Um, and I think the battalions. I th- I'm not seeing the awesome in the battalions. I'm not either. Um, first of all, the Vostarg Lodge is going to cost you uh, 120 just to take it. Mm-hmm. Then you got to go and add in all the other stuff you got to take to get it, which is a Lord of the Lodge and a Warrior Kinband. Uh, Lords of the Lodge is ninety. Warrior Kinband is ninety, so that's one eighty. So this becomes three hundred points. You got to also take an additional unit of Berserkers. Uh, the Hearth Guards, the expensive ones. Yeah, in that Lord of the Lodge uh, battalion. So you take that. You got your Kinband, uh, and then of course you could take. Now, it says zero to two war scrolls from another warrior, kin bed, or a forge brethren, uh, and then any number of additional fire slayer units. Now, if you take the maximum number of battalions, you also get the dour and fearless ability from the battle tome fire slayers, which I don't have in front of me. I don't know what it means, but I don't know if that makes this any better. It doesn't. Having to take five battalions. Four. It just No, five. Because you got to take two. For Lords of the Lodge and the Kinban, and then two more. Oh, that's Warrior right. Kinban and that's the Brethren, for the and then the Lodge. big one. Oh, you're right. So that would be actually Forge Brethren's 130. So if you take Forge Brethren, that's 130. 
two warrior kinbads, so the two seventy, so that's four hundred. So it's at what five twenty, ish. Well, yeah, something like that. so. Yeah, oh, no, and it's that's a lot. not even including the cost of the units, right? Okay, so that and what happens? Uh, the rune of fiery determination ha- it automatically gets enhanced effects, no matter what dice is rolled for the ability. Uh, and minus one of the bravery of enemy units within three inches. So for the like I said, how much? That yeah, that's. That's a lot of points. For not a lot in return. For the I mean I mean, don't get me wrong, though always hitting the big one is good. I mean it that's there's nothing there's nothing you know janky about that. Um Yeah. One eighty two seventy. Having played against this, um the day this book came out, I played against my local Fire Slayer guy, and he tried this out. It didn't do anything for him at okay. all. I think it's just with Fire Slayers, you're going to want more points in bodies yeah. than you are in battalions because the army is so good on its own. You don't need this extra. Yeah, but like it's cool said, that they have them. Over a quarter of your army just in. You're basically paying over 500 points to get all those runes activating at the same time. And plus whatever other little bonuses they get. But that's the... Yeah, no. I could be wrong. Maybe all those other battalions that I didn't take the time to look up and research before the show because I just didn't care all that much uh, would make it worth the 520 points or whatever. But Yeah, the Lords of the Lodge gets you an extra pile in and attack with one unit of the Hearthguard Berserkers. Okay. If they're within range. And then they had an ability where they could modify who goes first by up to three, depending on how many characters they have, but you can't modify that role anymore. Oh, that's right. So they lost half of what it is. So, I mean, in narrative play or whatever, you can still get it, which is fine, but for match play, you lose half the battalion. Uh, Well, that's probably why it's only like 90 points too, I think. So yeah, it's cheap as chips. It's still good. Um, And then the warrior Kinbed lets you double fire axes. Within range of the rune sun. Okay. So, I mean, it's cool in theory. It's just, it's so cost intensive. So, I don't know. Yeah, and like I said, you don't have to do all that to get the Dower and Fearless ability. You could just pick the two scrolls and it would still be cheaper, but still, you're still spending 300 points for that. Uh, the Greyfeared Lodge. You get the Lords of the Lodge and the Warrior Kinbad. This one, you have to take an additional unit of Volkite Berserkers. And then you can take the two extra war scrolls again and any additional fire slayers you want. This one, instead of setting up a unit from a, on the battlefield, you can say it's using the mountain portals. Roll a die at the start of your movement phase and look up. Okay, so this one you can just start them off the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it doesn't arrive by the end of the game, it counts as being slain. On a one, it's still traveling. On a two to five... Anywhere within six inches of the battlefield, not in enemy territory, and more than nine inches from enemy units. Um, on a six, you can set it up within six inches of the edge of the battlefield anywhere in enemy territory and more than nine inches from the enemy units. So on a six, you can set it up in their territory. On a two through five, you're setting it up on a board edge in your territory. So, I mean, that's not that great, really. Unless you get the six, you know, you want them coming in later. So I think this one is meh. 
it's got its benefit because then you don't have to spend the points on rune smiters to yeah. tunnel. But with a rune smiter, you get to auto pick when they pop up and where they pop up. So it's just a matter of where you want to invest your points. So I think it has potential, but I think you're still better off taking more bodies. Exactly. I just want to invest my points in Fire Slayers. Yeah. Because they're really good right now. Yeah. All right. So let's look at Seraphon and then take a much-needed break. Yes. All right. Um, <sighs> Seraphon. I think these are cool. Um, some people are really excited about it. I've heard a few people that have been like, hmm, you know, not that big on it. Um. So and I don't know. I don't play lizards, so we'll take a look at this. Uh the Masters of Order. So the uh the Slan Wizards or the Slan Wizards in a Seraphon army. Can, oh, they can unbind anywhere on the table. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> that is really good. Uh no more worrying about that. Um They still need line of sight though. To their targets. That's one of the unbinding requirements. Okay. So they still have to see you. But so but they can unbind just... anywhere on the table, yeah. Um, so if you keep yourself behind a wall, you're a little safer. Um, mm-hmm. Also, when they go to cast, if they successfully cast and that cast is a double, they get an extra six inches to the range of the spell. Yep. That's good. Yeah, and with how casting spells is supposed to work, you're supposed to cast the spell first and then pick your target. Is the technical order. Everyone still plays it. I'm going to do, you know, Arcane Bolt on this unit. You're supposed to cast it and then declare. Yep. So it's, we got to play by the rules and by how words are written. So, so the uh, neat really battle trade is Lords of Space and Time, which is once per turn in your hero phase, you can pick a Seraphon unit anywhere on the battlefield to be transported through space and time, and you roll a d6 and apply the result. So on a one, unit can't move or charge, so you're kind of stuck. <laughs> on a you really miscontemplated space and time on a one. Yes. Um, for a two through five, you have spatial displacement, which is you remove the model from the battlefield and then set it back up anywhere that is more than nine inches away from an enemy unit, and that counts as its movement. So, I'm just going to pick up this unit of 40 Soros Warriors. Thank you, Russ, for showing this off. And you get to move it anywhere. Not within 9 inches, which is amazing for objectives and board control. And then on a 6, you get to do the same thing, but then you can move again in your movement Yeah, it doesn't phase. count as your move. So, suddenly, yeah. they're boom. Oh, that they got a 5-inch move or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now, they're in your face. No, that's that, that's great. I mean, yeah, it's only one unit per turn. That should be plenty if you're... Yeah. If you're, and they they needed something to bring them in line um, with most armies. They have the fewest ally selection. They can only take Stormcast. Yeah. So they have to make do with what they have. So yeah. this really makes them back into line. Um, and then Command Traits... This is interesting. This is the only one where you have three sets, depending on what type of general you have. If it's a slon, a source, or a skink. Now, they only get um, three 
commands each, but they're all pretty on point. There's nothing that seems to be wasted here. Right. So, uh, do you want to start with the frog? Sure. Uh, you get the basic one. Reroll ones when making a casting run binding roll for your general. So, if you start off with a Lord Croak or... With, oh, you can't with a Lord Croak. But you start off with a Slan. Um, yeah, reroll ones for casting. That's That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, although vast intellect, you can use curse of curse of fates and summon starlight spells from the skink star seer and the skink star priest. So suddenly, two more spells isn't bad either. Um, but I think the one that you're going to see is that great remember number three. As long as the general's alive, you can use lords of space and time on two units every turn. Mm-hmm. That's right there. I mean, I I think that's the one you take, isn't it? Um, that one or vast intellect, I think would be the winners for me. Um, the big thing with the great remember is how many times at a certain point you're going to run out of uses for it because there are a lot of parts of your army that are still really mobile. Skinks are perfect example. Pterodons, you have some fast moving stuff. It's just when you have some slower moving things that you get great remember right off the bat. It's a good for that alpha part. I guess I'm just picturing in my head just if combats are going funny or things aren't going exactly how you want them or you're cut off. I can just pick them up right out of combat. Yeah. Oh, these skinks are getting beat up now that I had holding a holding a thing. I I run these. I run. I will teleport them out and teleport in. You know, or if there's combat there, I can't get them in. If there's guys there, but. You know, I'll try to get up close with these other things or move these other things up and then teleport them out. Mm-hmm. You know, I just it seems like during the you know later in the game, it could be very useful if cleverly employed. Done. Yeah. I don't know that I'm that clever, but it just seems like especially with these hordes of big skinks, because the big the big I keep calling them hordes. I, I, they're called what massive regiments or whatever. But sure. The horde of skinks. I mean, they they they're so easily killed, you know. So you mm-hmm. throw them up on a on a objective, and it's like, well, I'll just go kill all them. And I just keep thinking with the skinks' movement abilities and with this stuff, you can just do a. There could be a lot to be done with them. Mm-hmm. Um, not just with the big source units, although with those, that's great too. Especially if you're starting to get into a losing battle, I can just pick them up and move them somewhere away from the battle. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, it just feels like this could be useful later in the game. But why don't you give us the Saurus, uh commands? Okay. So for this one, uh, first one, you can reroll one failed hit roll for the general in each combat phase. So that's womp, okay. Womp. Uh, thick scaled hide, you get to reroll save rolls of one for your general. That's the big one in here. That's I much think. better, yeah. Um, because that was the one thing that they don't have on their characters, a lot of re-rolls. They got good saves, but they just have that re-roll miss. Unless you get and that then, that combo that, that you know with the Slan and then the the Astrolith Bearer and then the Skink Priest and then the... Yeah. You can get that combo, you start re-rolling everything, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the last one, you can use Inspiring Presence in addition to this... Or you can use... Inspiring Presence command ability in the same hero phase that they use another command ability. So you can't use Inspiring Presence twice. But you get your basic command ability and then Inspiring Presence each time. 
Yeah, I think you're, I think the reroll saves unless you've got something that's going to give it to you uh, from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Although the inspiring presence is nice too. Yep. Although isn't their whole army leadership ten? Yeah, across the table. So yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Once again, yeah, the thick hide is probably the best way. And why don't you tell us what's awesome about the skink command traits? Oh, they're skinks, so they're automatically <laughs> cool. Um, so if the general is a skink priest, and you only have a couple of different options for skink characters, um, they can use the Celestial Rites ability from their War Scroll twice rather than once in each hero phase, um, and that gives them a bonus on the to-hit rolls for Soros units within range. Okay. Um, and if it's not a skink priest, then they can use Celestial Rites, which is good. It's not a spell okay. though, right? No. Okay. It's a like a prayer, but okay. not a prayer. Okay. It's a weird thing. Um, and then the next one is nimble. So you get to add one to the general's move characteristic, and in addition, add one to save rolls for the general as long as they are not riding upon a mount. So plus one move and possibly plus one to their save as well. Yeah, so it makes a very squishy skink a little more survivable. Um, and then the last one is cunning. So uh, roll a dice at the start of the combat phase. If the general is in three inches of an enemy hero, roll a dice and on a four or more, the enemy hero suffers one mortal wound. I think the winner here is nimble, but that's just me. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. I just, I guess, I just don't see st- taking a skink general when you have Soros and Slan generals. But if you're playing small points or thematic armies, yeah. Okay, yeah, and then you want, the, then you would want the nimble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then they've got artifacts now. They finally got some artifacts. Uh, let's see. Okay, this one is interesting. Uh, it, it's. Of course, they make all this stuff, you know, when the stars align properly. So you roll a dice at the start of the first battle round, and whatever number you roll on that during that battle round, you can reroll failed save rolls for that model. So it's it's sort of like um, what we were talking about last time when you got that uh, that you know that that moment of divine intervention or wherever. So you find out what turn it's the gonna finest happen. hour. The finest hour, yeah, that's it. So you get that you find out what turn you get to reroll failed save rolls. If you roll a six, you can pick what turn it is rather than having to use it in the sixth battle round since there isn't often a sixth battle round. Um I don't like this because what if you roll it in the first battle round? A lot of times you're not taking too many save rolls in the first battle round. Yeah. So I mean it's just I don't know. Meh. So why don't you grab the next one here? This one's a hot one. Yep. Um, it's going to sound very familiar. Um, so the first time this model is slain, you roll a dice, and on a 1 to 2, the model is slain. And on a 3 or more, the model heals D3 wounds. And if it is not slain, uh, remove it from the battlefield and set it up again within 12 inches of its original location, um, more than 3 inches away from enemy models. If this is impossible, the model remains in its current location. That sounds like the Ring of Immortality. Yep, that's the Von Karstein ring right there. Except now the Seraphon got it. That makes sense, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, ooh, plus one rend on one, rep- one weapon. Meh. All right. 
So yep. Blade of Realities plus one rend on one weapon, which uh, that's that you're putting on. I mean, if you're not taking the incandescent uh, rec- incandescent rectrices, that might not be bad for a Saurus general, just the extra mm-hmm. rend. But there's other stuff on here too, probably. So, yep. All right. Uh, next one is Light of Dracothian. So once per battle, you can auto unbind a spell cast by an enemy wizard within 18 inches. So it's not as good as the Slan dispel ability, but it's an auto stop if you're close enough. Yeah. So that's good right there. I mean, you got to be you got to be in range this time. You can't just do it from across the board, but you just stop it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, coronal shield at the start of any combat phase roll a die for each enemy unit within three inches of the model on a four more that unit is blinded minus one to hit for the rest of the combat phase that's kind of cool i like that one yeah especially if you got it once again this is more suited to a saurus mm-hmm. but uh, or even to a or even to a slun in case he gets stuck in the combat yeah because he's no slouch in combat that's well, yeah. Toad lightning. Oh yeah, that is true. I don't play against too many. I haven't played against Seraphon too many times, but I uh, last time I played, I played against a couple of them, and yeah, I guess they weren't they weren't as yeah. But this isn't bad, uh, especially if you get a lot of small units all kind of converging in the same spot. Suddenly it's like boop 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 boop. You can do a you know a couple of them might suddenly lose things. And then you're bringing in the rest of your army to fight. So it's not just you, you know. Mm-hmm. Heck, if you've got him right behind the lines, you could just still be within three inches and mess him up for, and not even be in combat. Mess him up for the guys who are uh, the guys who they're actually fighting. So, mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. And the last one, the Prism of Amentok. Yeah. So this one is you can unleash the power at the start of your movement phase if you do so. This model cannot move, but then you pick an enemy unit within D- within 12 inches and on a three or more of a roll of a dice, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So basically, you can't do anything, you can't move, but you probably do D3 mortal wounds to a unit within 12 inches. And if you're not going to move, like these guys who park a salon in the back and don't, try not to move him. Yeah. Or if it's an astralis bear who plants... Um, so it's kind of yeah. the same thing, but I don't know. I I like the rectories or the retrices um, or the shield more than this one. Well, at least you got a few choices. They're not. They're not. You know, there's a few good ones in there. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get to there. Now these guys are the last group that actually came with some extra war scroll battalions. Yeah, these, these are, are the three big who ones had, again. They had books and and needed them. Um, I thought I was surprised that the uh, pestilence didn't get it. Pestilence didn't get any. Yeah, they probably should have, but they don't have the model variety that these other three do. Yeah, that's probably what it is. All right, so uh, the fangs of Sotek. You need a Slan. You need a Source Old Blood, and you need a Sunclaw Star Host. Whatever that means. It's a Sun Blood. And a couple units of Saurus Warriors. Okay. So you're going to have at least three characters on this and some Saurus Warriors. Um, you can add up to four more War Scrolls and any other Seraphon units. If you do go max it out, you gain 
strategic mastery ability from the Star Beast Constellation War Scroll. Once again, that would be four, five, six War Scrolls in order to get that extra ability. So I don't see anybody doing that uh, in a... Where yeah, it's ex- six battalions plus all the units. Yeah. So it's a lot to ask. Oh, you think? Uh, this mm-hmm. one as it is, that just for the Sunclaw Star Host and the Fangs of Sotek, you are paying um, 230 So it's 230 points minimum to run this one. Uh, you do get to add three to your move for all units apart from the Slan Star Master in the first battle round. So in the first battle round, everybody's running a little f- faster. Um, the Old Blood can use his Ancient Warlord command ability, even if he's not the Army General. If he is, he can use it in addition to another command ability. So if you make the Star Ma- the Slan Star Master your General, he's still getting a, a command, which is nice, getting that extra command ability. Um, and then the Old Blood also gets plus one to all dice rolls when using his Blood Roar ability, because he's on the Carnosaur, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's worth 230 points Getting a 3 inch move I think f- it might be Is it? Yeah, the Sunclaw is one of those really good battalions You get more attacks with your bites On your Soros Warriors um, Oh, okay, so the extra bat- the battalion that you have to take Is giving you bonuses too that are worth it okay. Yeah, and the Sunblood is a good pickup anyway So it's got some options I think this is Probably it's the easiest one for me to understand because when we talk about Dracothian's tail, I I have a hard time wrapping my head around that and not gonna lie. <laughs> so speaking of what that is, um, so it's a Slan Star Master and a Star or a Firelance Star Host, and that is a cold blood mounted Saurus veteran and units of Saurus cavalry. I'm not too keen on them to begin with, but okay. I don't particularly care for the model. That's why. Um, now, these now, if you just took those two, the Star Host and the Dracothian's Tail, mm-hmm. uh, you're only paying 170 points for the pair of them because Dracothian's Tail is only a 60 point war scroll. Yeah, it's cheap. Yeah, so you can add those other ones in there, and it would cost more, and then you gain that strategic mastery. But I'm just and for this this at base is going to cost you an extra 170. So. Mm-hmm. So then what uh, what uh, what do you get for this? All right. Now, this one, I don't understand how this works. Um, so basically, the Slun can cast any number of summoning spells that summon source units to the field, as long as each unit that he summons comes from this battalion. But okay. any units that you summon aren't automatically included in battalions. Yeah, how does that work? Okay, furthermore... I don't know. What else does it say here? Um, furthermore, he does not need to make a casting roll in order to cast these spells, and the opposing player cannot attempt to unbind them. However, each spell that he casts must summon a different unit chosen from a different war scroll. He cannot cast exactly the same spell more than once a turn. For example, in one feral phase, he can summon an Eternity Warden from this battalion... Using the Summon Attorney Warden spell and a sort of Sunblood from this battalion using Sunblood spell, but he cannot summon two Attorney Wardens. So you can summon anything that's in here. Are you setting them up off the board? 
I don't know no. because you would have to declare them as reserves, which you can't do. The Firehead Star Host doesn't allow you to set up off the board, does it? No, I don't believe so. Okay, so then uh, all I could think of is if they, if they, it's weird. How does this work? I don't know. Appear at Kotex Command. It almost sounds like you can set them up off the board. And they count as part of it. And they count as part of it. You've paid for them already. It sounds like when you summon anything off the board, except it doesn't give any rules for where they have to be placed. That's in the spell description. It's 15 inches of the frog and 9 inches away from an enemy model. Oh, okay. So I don't get it. I don't understand why you... I don't. I don't get it. Rules-wise, it's contradictory. I don't know how this works. Perfect. I don't know how to tell you how to make this work. Oh Well, if anyone gets it, explain it to us. Yes, please, because I'm clearly not getting this one. So, all right. All right. That's everything. That is... For the weird ones. For the weird ones. Uh, for the ones that have... Uh, the well, extra battalions. The extra battalions. So... Let's break because we definitely need one. This one went longer than I expected. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we come back, we'll start talking the other battalions. So we've covered three, seven of 19. Oh, dear Lord. All right. Let's uh, take a break. and We'll be back. Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your gamer may want, from board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program. Check out their events calendar, in-store or online. From Tuesday night miniature games and Thursday night board games to Friday night magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we are back talking allegiance abilities for the remainder of the General's Handbook 2017. Yep. Now, I don't know. A lot of this stuff, I think we're going to try to just, I mean, I don't want to sound like we're blowing things off, but I mean, a lot of these things are repetitive. So if it's something that's repetitive or something that everybody gets, like the, you know, I'm just going to, we'll just, We'll just mention the other stuff, I think, just because it's going to take time to go through. Almost everybody gets a plus one to their wound characteristic and their command abilities or something like that. If it's something that's common, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Just 
Otherwise, go, go buy the book if you just want us to read it to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm tra- I want to cover the cool things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other stuff is just all so new, and I was kind of excited, you know. Uh, yeah. And the other stuff, the the other the Grand Alliance has had changes and stuff we want to talk about, but here now we're just getting into the the meat of just people who just got allegiance abilities, and we haven't gotten to play a lot of them. You've tested some of them. I haven't gotten to play them, so this is all first impression stuff anyway. So, mm-hmm. Darkling Covens. Yeah, this was one of my hot picks coming out of the handbook and i just got to play against it on monday and good lord um and just want to throw that out there it's good and it and one this is another one that 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 goes with its lore really well it seems yeah it's definitely a good um mirror from what it was in the game that was um so for those that aren't familiar it's darkling coven so this is your sorceresses and most of your infantry uh, dark elves. So not including the witches or the sisters or the scourge or the privateers. So this is like spears, swords, crossbows, executioners, and blackguard. Um, Yeah, this one is amazing. I'm so stoked about this one. So, it's got two different sets of battle traits, the first of which is lethal coordination. So all of the Dread Spears, Bleak Swords, and Dark Shards have special abilities based on number of models in the unit. So with this format with this uh, allegiance ability, those units can count the number of other models from other units like spears, swords, and shards within six inches of it to count for numbers. So the example they give is if you have a unit of 10 dark shards within six inches of 10 dread spears and that's individual models, it would count as 20 for the purposes of their plus one to hit ability for 20 or more models. So it makes them much more accurate. And because that was the biggest issue I had with shards because they hit on a five. Now they hit more consistently, which is good. They do need that a little bit. Um, And then for the general, it has to be a sorceress. And coming into this, she didn't have a command ability. Now they give her essentially three, two actual command abilities and one little bonus. Um, so, So this is Tyrannical Ruler. If a friendly Darkling Coven unit has to take a battle shock test when they're within three inches of a general... You can instead inflict a mortal wound on that unit, and they auto-pass it. So it's kind of like the sack dagger. Um, That one's really cool. And then they have two command abilities. One is you get to pick a Darkling Coven unit within 12 inches to run and charge and or shoot in the same turn, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, It's rough. Running and charging executioners is not a nice thing to deal with. Having been on the receiving end of it, it's not a nice thing to deal with. <laughs> um, and then the other one is Inspire Hatred. So you get to pick a Darkling Coven unit within 12, and you get to re-roll wound rolls of one for that unit until your next tier phase. That's yeah. all pretty good. Not, not pretty good. Really good. There is definitely some good stuff here. Um, Getting to so, count the models around them. 
Yeah. going to be keeping them in close formations. It rem- you know, hey, look, elves are marching forward in close formation. What a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the city guard rule that they used yeah. to have yeah. um, in the world that was. So good pickup here. And then the, uh, the command traits, they're... They're, some of them are pretty cool. They're not all super powerful, but once again, play to the lore. Um, mm-hmm. I love um, if you fail a battle shock test within twelve inches of the general, an extra D, you lose an extra D three models. So if anything yep. runs, extras run. Why? Because they're scary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, 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 shoot, the general heals D3 wounds at the end of any combat phase, and at least one enemy model was slain within 12 inches of him. Of her, yeah. So she oh, yeah. doesn't have to do the killing. No. But it certainly helps. If someone dies within a foot of her, within a foot, in the middle of the board, she's got a two-foot circle, two-foot diameter circle around her. Anything dies, she gets D3 wounds. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, it has to be an enemy, but with a dragon that she can ride on, biggest problem with dragons is they don't heal wounds. Guess what? No, they do. Yeah. And let's face it, when you've got all of these other elf units around you, they're going to kill something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and then they've got this other stuff in here. And I'll I'll take this. You take the artifacts because this stuff is quick and obvious. You know, uh, plus one to cast and unbind if you're the general. If you're not a wizard, guess what? You get the cast the wizard keyword, and you get to cast and unbind spells just like a sorceress. Yeah. Now, this one is particular because they only have two hero options, both of which are sorceresses. So where does that other one come in? Oh, that is weird. Huh. Does that, does that make this one seem useless? No. Well, no, you get the we plus one know. to cast and unbind, but what's this? Unless something's coming out. Ooh. I mean, I don't know either, but, I mean, that would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, because why would you give them an ability for, and there's nothing there to take? Because, yeah, like you said, they're both sorcerer I don't know if that's a plural of sorceresses, but I'm using it. Plus one to save and minus one to hit the general for attacks to target the general. Um, I, I like that sustained by misery the best. I really do. Yeah, or the impossibly swift is there's good options. Like you don't have a bad one in here except for I think arrogant prowess. So that's the reroll one to hit rules yeah. with their one attack. Yeah. So, but um, the, the rest of it all plays to the to their story too really well. What about mm-hmm. these uh, artifacts? What stands out? Um. Well, as far as Standing out. Um, the anklet of Epiphany. So you get to add six inches to the range of any spells successfully cast by this model if it's wholly in or on a terrain feature. So that's pretty okay. You get a character into cover right away, and then so suddenly the spells are... double plus six. I oh, I didn't even think of that. Holy smokes. All right. <laughs> Hey, did I wait? Did I just think of something you didn't? Yeah, you just power gamed me. Way to go! <laughs> um, so there's that one, and then the big one that I like is the decanter, 
which is you use the artifact once per battle at the start of your movement phase. If you do in that movement phase, you can add up to three inches to the movement characteristic of friendly Darkling Coven units within six inches of the bearer at the start of the phase. You combine this with running and charging. Suddenly your executioners are moving eight plus three D six is their effective charge range. Oh, that's just brutal. That's awesome. Yeah, it's either eight or nine plus three D six. So yeah, you're good. I like that one. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, they're just swift. It's that that unnatural speed. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and it plays to what they are. Yeah, um, I kind of like the sh- I, I like the idea of the shadow shroud ring. Mm-hmm. You use this once per battle in your hero phase, and when you do, the maximum range of everything either used by or on you is limited to three inches, and you can fly. But it's like attack spells and abilities used either by or upon you is limited to three inches. So if somebody tries to spell you and they're 12 inches away, it's like, well, they can't spell them. I use that spell. You've got to be within three inches because your maximum spell range for anything to affect me is limited to three inches. Spells, abilities, attacks. I can't do anything either because I'm hiding. You're literally, you know. But it doesn't say when you use it in the hero phase. So she can still cast her spells. And then disappear. Yep. And you do that on a dragon. Yeah. I mean, the decanter of egos for something you can only use once is probably better than the ring, but the ring just seems cool. It seems like something you'd see them use. It's like, poof, I'm gone. Yeah, it's a very dark, elfy sort of thing. Absolutely. And then we get over to uh, to my peoples, the dispossessed. These guys, this is this is fun. This is an army that plays in the lore. I like th- this is the article for I, I did for for uh, the Warhammer community because this just this is fun for me. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so dispossessed get this battle trait stubborn to the end. On a one, two, or three, they pass battle shock, no matter what. Kill twenty guys, pass battle shock. Drop their bravery by five because you got some special thing. They pass battle shock, you know. Um, set off that thing where they take a battle shock in the middle of the shooting phase because you drop that thing on them. Boom! They pass battle. Sh- it doesn't matter. One to three, they pass. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have uh, grudge bound. So before you pick your command trait, you pick a grudge for the whole army. Okay, uh, and basically three rolling hit rolls of one for different stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. it's all friendly dispossessed. So if you're taking a pure dispossessed army, your whole army gets it. Uh, and then it's just kind of what you want to, what you, what you think you're playing against. You know, uh, if I know I'm playing a one-off game against somebody, I could probably pick a better thing than just randomly choosing. Uh, like you're probably going to have to pick one and list it before the tournament, and not just pick it every round. Um, is my guess. Most of these things are that way, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but you can pick it uh, if you're attacking a hero, plus reroll hits of one. And it's always the hits because it's a grudge. They're really mad. They're going to hit you. They're super mm-hmm. angry at this thing. So they're either going after the hero um, or they're going after stuff with a move characteristic of 10 or more. I love that. They're angry. They're That's too fast. We're slow. Uh, we get mad. 
Um, monstrous cheaters. So uh, if you uh, you can use it against a monster, you can use it um, against uh, <laughs> cowardly hordes. If you start with twenty or more models in your unit, I get plus. I get three roll uh, hit rolls of one against you, which you're going to see more of now in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it makes sense because what are the cowardly hordes that the dispossessed most often fight against? Grotz and yeah, they Skaven. fight. They, they fight Grotz and Skaven all the time, which are always in big hordes. So it makes sense. Um, sneaky ambushers. If you didn't start on the battlefield, if you're one of these guys who start half your army off the field, I get a bonus to hit them because I don't like cheaters. Uh, my personal favorite is anyone who's got a save of four or better. You think that armor's good, lad? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, you don't know craftsmanship until you have, have something made by the dispossessed. Whomp. All the, the, basically, it's a plus one to hit against the entire Stormcast army if you're playing against yeah. Stormcast. The rerolled ones to hit against yeah. an entire army. Yeah. And a lot uh, some of the other stuff, I mean, you get these guys who are armor heavy. You know, you're, what was it, the Slaves of Darkness now if you're playing a lot of Chaos Warriors? Don't they have four ups, mm-hmm. a lot of them? Yeah, um, they all do. Yeah. It's against the whole army. Now, um, when you get into the command traits is when it's cool because one of the command traits allows you to change that once per game. Right. So you take that if you're going into a tournament. I would think. You know, and then you pick the one, and then it's a look, you look around at the table and go, okay, it's my hero phase. I'm going to change this. Or let's say it's really good. You know, it works. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I picked monsters, let's say. And I got up against one of these. Like I said, uh, I've I've seen already the. Uh, I've played against a couple of the Seraphon lists with the with the Bulbasaurs. I always forget what they're called. I always forget what they're called. Bastilodon. The Bastilodon. I know it starts with a B. He reminds you of Bulbasaur. He doesn't look anything like Bulbasaur, but whatever. Um, you pick that to start. You go, and once you take those those out, then you use it. Then you switch it to what something better, whatever's left, whether they've got hordes or whether they've got this, that, or the other. I like it. So, um, and then the other command traits, they're well, they're pretty average, you know. Plus one to wound rolls if it's against chaos. I mean, that's you know, meh, meh, meh. Um, I do like the one that they you don't add one to the save rolls of enemy units in cover mm-hmm. if attacked by the general or friendly units within six inches of him. Yeah, You're that's a good one. You're not hiding. No cover save for you, fatty. I can see you. Yeah, that one definitely pairs in with like sneaky ambushers. Uh huh. So you get the reroll ones to hit if they're in cover, and then they don't get the bonus. Yeah. Um. What else is in this? Um. Oh. <laughs> Resolute is great. Remember when I said you get to pass on a one, two, or three? You always pass your battle shock. Resolute. Yeah. Everyone within six inches of the general gets to pass on a four. One, two, three, or four. On your battle shock test, so a four or less, you automatically pass. That's pretty good too. I mean, granted, you're 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 taking a trait that's banking on you having to take battle shock tests, but the odds are you're going to take battle shock tests at some point. It's not like that's like one of the main mechanics of the game or anything, right? So that's actually uh, you got a two thirds chance of just passing straight up, no matter what. I like it. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then you get the one thing uh, on a six. Uh, after you finish all your attacks on a six, you can pile in an attack again. I think we've seen that before, too. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that one compared to, like, Siege Master or uh, Grudge Bearer. Or Resolute. Yeah, you've yeah. got some things you have good options. Yeah. Regardless of the way you go. Yeah, so those are great. Now, what do you think of these artifacts? I don't think any of the them are... The pickaxe is amazing. The pickaxe is good. I don't think any of them are great game-breaking, but they're all no. very Dwarden. Yeah, the pickaxe is good because it makes a very unmobile army very mobile for one unit. Uh-huh. So it's the it's a teleport mechanic. So you pick up that character and a dispossessed unit within three and put it anywhere else on the table more than nine inches away. And within three inches of each other. Yep. Yeah. That's nice. Um, Anything else? Uh, You know, um, once once per battle, you can pick an enemy unit in the shooting phase and give them D3 mortal wounds. You know, if it's a hero or a monster. Yeah, within... um, if it's a hero or a monster, you just have their move characteristic, but if they're already within six, it's like, okay, really, what did you do? They're going to charge. They're not having their move characteristic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, unless you run away. Mm-hmm. Well, but that doesn't seem very Dwarden. No. Um, you know, the other ones, they're mediocre. They really are. I mean, they're they're fun, but they're not great. Uh, you know, pick a hero in the enemy, and then your hero gets to reroll, failed hit, and wound rolls against him. So I mean, it, 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 that's that's nice against that one model. Yeah. You know? Um. Once per battle, you can sound the Gromrel horn, and you get plus two bravery until your next hero phase for all your friendly units. Mm-hmm. Which is good, but it's again, it's once per once per per battle. I like the pickaxe better still. Um, the pile driver gauntlets are pretty cool. Not gonna lie, they're cool. I I don't know, I don't know how much I'd use them. Putting it on like a rune smith or a rune lord or a non fighty character, mm-hmm. suddenly he becomes a support piece for one of your main combat blocks. That's true because you're using it instead of attacking, so you're putting it on your on your not fighty guy, yeah, and put him right behind there. So basically, he puts on these big master crafted gloves. These gauntlets, and he just instead of fighting, he just sits and pounds the ground, and he hits so hard it's like one of these superhero moves, where he literally shakes the ground. Um, minus one from hit rolls for enemy models within six inches of this model when they attack. So it's models. So you literally have a six-inch bubble around you. If they're in that bubble where he just shook the ground. They're minus one to hit. And it happens before they start rolling dice to hit you. Yes. So it's a very good defensive ploy. Yes. But yeah. In the start of the combat phase, you declare it will strike the ground instead of attacking. Boom. Now anything within six inches of it. It's cool. It's fluffy. Mm-hmm. But this is very fluffy. Now, this is not as, as crazy as some of the Fire Slayer stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is the old school dispossessed. These are your old school Dwarden. They just don't run. No. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know that one to four. Like I said, a- adding your your battle, your stubborn roll, going from three to four or or less. 
You know, that's only even within six inches of the general, but it totally makes sense. All mm-hmm. of this makes sense. Every single grudge means they got a better chance to hit whatever it is they're they're ticked off at because that's who they are. I just I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then you flip the page and we get to the free peoples. And I like this too. This reminds me of the old cool rules in the old Empire book. The detachment system. Yeah. But it's a little less complicated now. Which is nice. A lot less complicated. <laughs> okay, a lot less complicated. Which is nice because, man, there was a lot going on with that old one. And then people would get around it by just attacking the detachments. Yeah, it's a lot different now. It's much, I think this one's more beneficial to the free people player versus what the Empire Detachment System was. Yeah. So, um, but well, why don't you explain it. this whole thing? So, first off, you get Defiant Avengers, so you get to real Battleshock tests for free people. And this is just free guild. They took Bretonians out of this equation in the Compendium update. So, unfortunately, it's just the free guild stuff. Oh, let's not get into that, um, uh, that discussion. No, we're not. But, okay. Um, so, the free guild great company is the battle trait. Um, so, essentially, what this is, you form a great company out of three units... Um, of free peoples, and each one of them has to be at least 10 models. And one of them has to be a free guild guard unit of at least 20 models. So for that, you're talking about uh, swordsmen, spearmen, halberds, or what used to be called free company. Um, and then two other free guild units, including other free guild guard, at least 10 models. So free people include demigriff knights, but you need to take a unit of 12 demigriff knights to try to form up into this. So it's not going to happen too much. Right. Um, so it's, this is the infantry. Um, so how this works is at the end of each enemy charge phase, units in a free guild great company can lend support to other units from their great company if all of these conditions apply. The unit lending support is more than three inches away from the enemy. So they can't be engaged. Right. So that's important for multi-charging. The unit being supported is within three inches of the enemy unit. So they have to be in combat. And the two units that are supporting each other have to be within six inches of each other. And if all of those conditions are met, another unit from the great company can either shoot the enemy unit as if it was the shooting phase or charge it as if it was the charge phase. And you can form multiple great companies. So how we used to do the multiple units of infantry with the detachments, you can do this multiple times in your army too. I just love the idea of this. I love looking at I love picturing how it looks. I love having the two little units a little bit back. And if this guy gets charged, you can pile you can charge these guys in, or you can have them shooting. I mean it's just this is this is the, the empire of man and how they fight, you know, mm-hmm. fighting in these groups, fighting in these regiments, the attack and counterattack and the counterbalances and the countercharges, all of that stuff coming together. I just I love how I don't I mean, I haven't played it. It could not, it, it could be difficult to play well. Um, you know, it could be expensive. It could, there could be a whole lot of reasons why this isn't awesome. But story no, wise, is. this is pretty cool. Yeah. No, it's good. Having played against it, when you get stand and shot by 30 handgunners that hit on twos and wound on threes, it hurts. 
Oh, boy. A lot. Yeah. And this is happening during your enemy's charge phase. That's the great thing about it is, mm-hmm. you know, they're coming in and charging, and then you're getting some sort of a, a reaction, including shooting shooting at them. Yeah. Charging in is one thing. You're getting extra guys to charge in. But getting that shoot that extra shooting phase in there is just like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. So what, what about the command traits? What do we got here that's sticking out here? There's a bunch of them in here that are good. Um, free people units within nine inches of your general don't have to take battle shock tests, which is good because their leadership's pretty poop. Um, you can use inspiring presence once in another command ability, or if they don't have another command ability, they can use inspiring presence twice. Um, but both the characters for free guild have their own baked in command ability. So, um, that's okay. But you could pick, can't you pick like a leader from a, he has to be your general. So that means he has to have a free people allegiance. Right. But I'm saying you could just pick the head of a unit to be your general. Technically. Can't you still do <laughs> that? Or do you have no. to pick a hero? I believe it has to be a hero. Okay. What well, I mean, wasn't that what people were doing with their, with their, with their, with the brute boss? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's gone now. Oh, I think you have. Okay. I didn't know if you had to do. I don't know if that was in the rules or. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's gone. Okay. Um, I was just receive, trying to figure out why it had this in here, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, You receive an extra triumph at the start of a. or at the start of the game. You still have to roll for it, though. Um, and then Indomitable, this one's going to look familiar. Um, you can add one to save rolls for friendly free people within six of the general, as long as they have not made a charge move. That's staunch defender yep. for free people. Yep. That is exactly what it is. Um, then the rest is, the, the other ones are basic. Plus one wound characteristics or plus one to the wound roll if it's attacking chaos. So it's only against chaos. Um, I like inspiring. Um, I even like battle tested veteran because with the low leadership, getting two guys who don't have to take battle shock tests is great. Um, getting to roll on a triumph table like that's that's just getting that extra triumph at the beginning because it doesn't you know that's I'll take that. Yeah. Um, You're always getting at for least the general. It, yeah, and for the general, it has to be a character. I confirmed it. Okay, uh, so it's page seventy-seven. If you need it. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I just didn't know. Yeah, that was one of those nifty changes. Aha. Page 77. Oh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so they so they stopped that picking that unit of 40 and making your general just a guy in the unit because they made it sure that you couldn't pick guys in units to be the general. And then people were being cheeky, so they stopped it. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um... And some of the artifacts aren't bad either. You know, plus one to save. Uh, reroll failed hit, wound, or save roll for a model each turn. Only one, but you're rerolling it. Nothing super spectacular. Uh, I like you can retreat or charge as if you can fly. In addition, you may retreat and charge in the same turn. Yeah, that's nasty on a griffin. Yeah. Just, or anybody. You know, if you get a decent fighter, just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can retreat like I can flash and go right through models, units, everything. Wind up three inches away and then pick someone else to charge. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty good if you got a, a nice fighty guy. Yeah. So good options there. Um, 
then these last two are my personal favorite. Um, one of them is the Writ of Dominion. So you get to use it once in your hero phase per battle. If you do so, that model cannot move, charge, or pile in. However, you get to add one to the to wound rolls for friendly free people within six inches of him, which is a big deal, especially with the banner. When they use it, you get to or hold the line, lets them get additional bonuses um, with regards to staying around and fighting. So that's a good one. And then this one I like, and I do like that they're bringing flags back as yeah. part of like the assortment. Um, so you get to add one to the bravery of all friendly free peoples within 12 inches of him. And in addition, you can reroll the charge rolls for friendly free peoples units if they are charging to support another unit. Nice. So, so yeah. then that's not a one-time thing. That's just everyone within 12 inches gets thing. a plus one to their bravery. That's like the battle standard bearer. Yeah. And they get plus one bravery. And then re-rolling charge rolls for the support because they can – if they that I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I really – I keep – I'm like, oh, I want to play this now. I want to try this. Mm-hmm. Like I want to try all of this, but I don't have all these armies anymore. No. Uh, poop. <laughs> All right. Um, flip, 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 flip. Let's do Wanderers and then be done with order and take a quick break. Yep. All right. People were freaking out about the Wanderers, like how awesome it was. And I'm reading it, and maybe I just don't get, you know. I mean, they got cool stuff, but I just, I don't know. It's, I guess it's not my play style because I was just like, okay. Um, so they get to reroll battle shock tests for the whole army. Seems like a lot of people can do that now. Especially for order. Yeah. Um, at the start of any movement phases, a wander unit within six inches of the edge of the battlefield can leave it and travel along a hidden pathway instead of making a move. Now, here's the thing. You have to come back in and set up that unit. Um, wholly within six inches of the edge of the battlefield, more than nine inches from the enemy, and doesn't it have to be anywhere along the edge by which you left? So whatever edge you were just... So you have to stay on that same table edge. Mm-hmm. So you basically get a slide move as far as you want as long as you stay nine inches away from your enemies. Yep. But you're still staying real close to the edge of the table. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, these guys are going to be flank haunters, and you're going to have a really hard time keeping up with them. Okay, and they can retreat and still shoot. Mm-hmm. So they can just keep backing up and shooting if you are charging them, which is, or you which can, is good. You, yeah, or you can use Realm Wanderers. Is that considered a retreat? It, you're moving of, out of combat. It's considered a retreat. Oh, so even oh, if they're in combat near the edge, yeah, they can move. Then they got to pop up more than nine inches away. But you charge into them, and then they can move away again, pop out, and still shoot as long as they're nine inches away. I guess that is more powerful than I gave it a little credit for. Mm-hmm. It's a very you have to play this army very tactically, um, and very canny, just like how you're supposed to play. What was what else? Because your guys are very squishy. Yes, 
like you just have to play them very canny and you have to play them very smart. And I think that'll be a good challenge for a lot of players. Okay. Uh, what about the command traits? All right. Um, so with stalker of the hidden past, this one's going to be a big one. I think we're going to see a lot of, if a friendly wanderer, you know, within six inches of the general leaves the battlefield using the realm wanderers, it can return within six inches of any edge of the battlefield, not just the one it left by. So this one, you're going to get a little more control about where you go and do a lot more sneaky ambushing. Okay. Uh, Mistwalker surprised me because this was I, uh, this seems like a rule from a different system. <laughs> enemy units can only attack the general if he's the closest enemy model when the attack is made. So yeah. if someone else is closer, you can't attack the general because he's hard to he's hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then he gets this a couple of things here with his shooting, plus one to hit when he attacks with a missile weapon, and if he doesn't have one, he gets a hunting hawk, and yep. use and can use the beak missile weapon from the Nomad Prince's War Scroll. So the beak missile, That's the hunting hawk's beak missile weapon. Oh, the hunting hawk's yeah. beak missile weapon. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I I read that poorly. Um, does he still get plus one to hit with that? Um, if he does not have a missile weapon, they receive a hawk instead. Oh, instead. Okay. Uh, or you get ten inches added to the range of the missile weapon. If you don't have a missile weapon, you get a hunting hawk and get to use a hunting hawk beak missile weapon from the war scroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why you would pick this unless you really wanted a hunting hawk beak. Unless you really wanted a hunting hawk. I don't know why you'd pick these if you didn't already have a missile weapon. I don't know either. Maybe you just like having a bird on your shoulder. Um, but Masterful Hunter with like a way watcher mm-hmm. is ridiculous. You just crack out so many shots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That could be really good. Um I see I see the first three of these being taken more often than not. Although adding ten inches to the range, if you have a halfway decent weapon, you're mm-hmm. shooting halfway across the board at that point, aren't you? More than, yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. That's okay. Alright, so I got a question. Um So it says for the artifacts Roll a die. The first one, the Falcon of Holthaven. Roll a die each time an enemy unit moves within 12 inches of this model in their movement phase. Oh, no. That's not what I was... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. That was, I don't have any question. On a five, they take a mortal wound. That's not my question at all. So skip that. What else we got going on here that's cool? Um, I like the forget-me-not just because it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so pretty much once per battle at the start of a combat phase... You can pick an enemy hero within three inches of this model. It can't pile an attack or use any abilities in the combat phase. So, <laughs> it's just nice. Oh, cute. I got charged by a dragon. Sorry, you're not doing anything. Yeah, once for battle, yeah, I've got you. I've got you in check. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is the one I don't understand. And maybe I'm just not reading it properly. The Wending Wand. Mm-hmm. Once per battle, a unit returning to the battlefield after using the Realm Wanderer's battle trait can return within 18 inches of the bearer and wholly within 6 inches of any edge of the battlefield 
not just the one it left by. So this basically, they have to stick to their battle edge, but if he's not, if he's by a different edge, so they can be within 18 inches of him and six inches of the board edge. I mean, is that, you can use a different edge. So basically, he it, it's you've got to have this guy over at a different edge. You, you can use him to pull guys from a different edge to him. Mm-hmm. Is that right, then? That is correct. Okay. It's a once-per-game bigger bubble version of Stalker the Hidden Paths. Okay. So once-per-game, it just works where he can call them to him. All mm-hmm. right. I wasn't certain. I was reading going, well, how does this, you know... What if he's not by the edge, or what if this isn't? Ha- but you know, you just got to put him there. I get it now. I'm a little slow. It happens sometimes. Uh, no, and it's a confusing ability if you're not reading it like verbum. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, um, let's break and come back and talk chaos because yeah. they've got some really cool stuff. They do. All right. We'll be back. garage hammer shirt who cares about him look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie that's right guys nothing tells the ladies i'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear so hurry to garagehammer.net slash store and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about remember boys first you get your gear then you win all your games then you get the chicks that's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear. And we are back talking chaos, specific allegiance abilities, and we get to start with Brayherd. Yeah, I like Beastmen out of nowhere. Yeah, and they get cool stuff. They do. All right, so ambush is good again. Yeah, it's a thing now. You don't have to take half your models. They don't have to be certain. All the stupid rules. That made the Beastman ambush so dumb are gone. Now they still got to stay within six inches of the edge of the battlefield. I just keep picturing the board and thinking, well, you know, like that just seems out of the way. You know, the it, edges. Yeah, keeping to the edges just seems like so out of the way where the combats tend to wind up. Um, but I don't care. I'll take it. It's just uh, your. But here's the thing: ambush ambushers all get set up during your first movement phase. Nine mm-hmm. inches away from the enemy, six inches from the edge of the battlefield. So if you know you're playing your Bray Herd, you need to keep your guys, I would say, within six inches of your back edge if you don't want them coming in behind you. 
Mm-hmm. And so you've kind of got your guys lined up there, and then you're forcing them to come in. But they can still come in from those flanks and still pretty close to you, still nine inches away from those the guys. You know, wherever your line ends, they're there. And they're just hitting that one edge of that unit. That's a pretty good... Because it does, you could do the whole darn army that way if you really wanted to. You could. I, mean, um, I don't know that you would, but I'm just saying you could. Yeah, but you can like ambush chariots and ambush Bestigor now, oh. which are a good punch that they really needed. Yeah, that, I didn't even think about that. You can you can ambush anything in the Bray herd, can't you? Yes, yeah, so that's Gores, Ungores, Ungor Raiders, uh, the chariots, and Bestigors. Okay. Still, that's yeah, that's better than what it was. Those chariots coming in and suddenly being able to, especially mm-hmm. when they're nine inches away. Yeah, and now you get herd stones again. Yeah, and it's not just an artifact. You get it as part of your command, as part of your battle trait. Yeah. So after you set up your general, you pick a spot within six inches of him. It says it uses suitable scenery model up to four inches across. So it's got a width, you know, but it can be big and tall. But it's a herd stone, not a herd mountain, you know. Yeah. Uh, you set it up more than one inches away from other models or terrain features. So you got to be careful where you set up your general so that you can legally set this thing up. But now it gets damned arcane and expiring scenery, inspiring scenery rules for all friendly Bray herd. Mm-hmm. That, and that makes I mean, that's that's kind of what it is, isn't it? It, yeah, it makes all three of these together actually are exactly what a bra- uh, uh, a herdstone is. All other units treat that and a three inch circle of open ground around it as deadly scenery. Yeah, <sighs> and then for those that aren't familiar with the abilities it gets, you get plus one to cast and dispel or unbind if you're a wizard within three inches of it. You get plus one to your bravery if you're within three inches of it. And for the damned, you can take D3 mortal wounds on your unit to get plus one to hit. And with how fast Bray Herd comes screaming up the field, you're going to get most of these bonuses right away. Yeah. Especially if you got your general kind of up towards the front of your, your deployment area. And mm-hmm. it's got to be within six inches of them. So, boom, you got that at a six, you got that up six inches so that you can get that a benefit closer to your so they're benefiting from it a much closer to the enemy it's it's good it's cool mm-hmm. it fits it fits their story again um yep. you know you got some basic command traits in here rerolling wounds rerolling this and that um i do like bestial cunning uh, for me that one's the that one's the big the big seller um, you can take up to half the units rounding up in your ambush can come in on turn two. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I also like Malevolent Despoiler because the biggest issue that Brayherd have is a lack of rend. So for units that get into cover, they're just impossible to shift. These, This now, if you have an enemy unit Within twelve inches of your general, that's in cover. They don't get the cover bonus anymore. Another unit that loses another army that can can take something that takes away your cover save. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um, but yeah, like I said, a good one. I think that bestial cunning though 
um, if you really want to hold off for that one turn and bring in that second wave on turn two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good... Especially good. if you wind up getting the double turn. Yeah. <laughs> you do it, you turn one, you bring these guys in, they charge in, and turn two, boom, these guys drop right behind them. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah, or if you get double turned, turn one, okay, going so you into go- turn two, your opponent gets to move more stuff, which then leaves you more landing zone. Oh, that yeah, that's even... Yeah, that's, ab- that's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so they've got some artifacts, too, and uh, some aren't bad. You know, D3 mortal wounds on an enemy unit after you charge it. Um, heal a wound suffered by this model in each hero phase. Uh, add two to the charge rolls and one to, and reroll ones for it to hit as another one. I mean, those are all pretty decent. Um, so here, add one to hit rolls made... For any friendly Brayherd unit within 18 inches of this model, if it used the ambush battle trait to arrive on the battlefield in the same turn. Now, I have a grammar. I have a question about what this means, and grammatically, I can't figure it out because we've got an unreferenced pronoun here. Um, add one to hit for any friendly Brayherd unit within 18 inches of this model. If it used the ambush battle trait to arrive on the battlefield this same turn, who is it? It could be either the model or the friendly unit. I'm going to assume it's the unit that arrived. I I thought so. I assumed so. It makes sense. But I was also thinking that if he comes in, and you've got a unit that's that's in the middle of the table or somewhere up there, and this guy slides in on the on the ambush. You know he can slide in and throw the bonus at somebody, hmm. and maybe that's not the way it's meant to work. Maybe it's he can be standing anywhere they want, and anybody who pops in within eighteen inches of him, he can pick one. You know, because it's got to be on that turn, and how you know, the other question becomes, how many turn one charges are you going to get? You know, so and if you're getting in there, they got to be within eighteen inches of him. That means he's got to have moved up quite a bit if he didn't come in off an of ambush as well. Yeah, maybe they, you know, they. Maybe he's got a five inch base move, and then there's a couple other bonuses that Brayherd can get to their movement. Like I said, I'm just confused by it. I mean, it's a small thing, but it it could mean either. And mm-hmm. you, you, odds are, I would. I'm thinking in my head with my limited, you know, uh, you know, creativity for bringing guys in from the board edge, is that you would probably just bring them both in so that he's within 18 inches of a bunch of guys. You know, mm-hmm. maybe bring in three units up the side because the guy the guy actually blocked off his backfield. You got three guys up the side, then you bring him in. A little farther back, but now within 18 inches, all those guys are going to be there, you know? Hmm. But I'm just saying, I don't know, you know? That's my question. And I don't mean to be a pain. I just, that's my question. Okay, you got to ask. And I do like the adding two to your charge and getting to reroll rolls to hit the insatiable beast. Mm -hmm. He charges in fast and he hits hard. 
I think this is exactly what you needed to start seeing people playing their 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 Beastmen models, their Bray Herd again. Yeah. I think Absolutely. this is I mean, they had nothing. Anything's better than nothing. And this is this is a huge I think this is a huge cool bump for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get Slanesh. Yeah. Is it just me, or did they get really cool stuff, too, that fits their storyline? Everybody did. But these guys, I think, got it a lot. And yeah. they have three different battle traits. <laughs> yeah, Which pick one of the crazy. following hosts for the army to belong to before you select uh, your general's command trait. So basically, yeah, you get to, you get three, but you get to pick which one you want. Uh, personally, I think the Pretenders is the one to go to. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Okay, let's go. Well, let's it, save that one for last then. Yeah. So the one of the other ones is Seekers. So you get to add one inches to the move, one inch to the move characteristic and charge moves of all models in the host, and you add two instead. If the model's original move characteristic is 10 or more, but um, units in the host that are within 12 inches of the enemy in the charge phase must attempt a charge if allowed to do so and must successfully complete it if they're old high enough to do so. Um, this is a weird one. When because would you force- not? Did I miss something in the rules? If I roll a successful charge roll, do I get to opt not to? Oh, screw that. I don't want that. Yeah, you do have that option. Oh, you do? Yeah, if you try to charge something really far and you roll low, you don't have to charge the thing that you can roll low into if it's something nasty that you don't want to go into. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, you have the option to decline charges. With this one, though, you don't. Okay. So you have to charge. It's. I think it has its place with the right units. Um, and specifically, I'm thinking of Exalted Seeker Chariots. Um getting that huge movement bump. But again, I think this is a very situational one and I don't like giving up control of my models. Yeah. I, yeah. See, that's what I thought too. I didn't like that idea. Suddenly it's like, no, you have to do No, I don't want to have to anything. Um, invaders, you can have three generals mm-hmm. uh, and they all, uh, only one gets a command trait, but they all can use command abilities. So you got three command abilities running on the battlefield at the same time, but if they ever, if any of them are within a foot of each other, they don't get to use any of that because they're too busy, you know, calling each other names. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm going to take all these models. I don't want to have to make sure that they don't ever come near each other. Yeah, but this one I think you can set up like bubbles effectively because sure. the the only demon one that has a command ability is the. Uh, what he called, the keeper. Um, so he's the one that gets that one for demons. And then the two mortal ones, the one on the boob snake and the one on foot, they only affect mortal units or the, I guess the Lord of chaos, but they all three can use a command ability. As soon as you're allowed to use a command ability, then they've at least got inspiring presence. Yeah. Which is always a bonus. Yeah. Cause you can have up to three generals. So that's always a good thing, but I don't know. I think it's one of those that you could get the most out of by creating little pockets and do like three little mini forces versus a big one. But I, yeah, it's I mean, situational. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm being I'm being dismissive, saying it's no good. I just I I I think when you see pretenders, you're just like, hmm. 
Unless I got a yeah. plan for invaders, pretenders mm-hmm. is the way to go. Why don't you take it? Because you'll explain it the best anyway. It's the easy one. Um, but I mean, so, you can, yeah, just go ahead. You, you've always so, got the plan. The general of the pretenders host receives two different command traits rather than one. Um, if you decide to randomly generate it, you have to re-roll it if it's the same. And in addition, you can re-roll hit rolls of one for units that have 10 or more models when they attack in the shooting or combat phase. So you're taking big units, or at least 10 models. Mm-hmm. They're getting re-rolls of one for across the army for these bigger yeah. units. And you get two command traits, which they're pretty good ones. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones in this bucket. I mean, okay, let's just roll through this. Let's just roll through them because they're all, I mean, most of them are pretty good. Add the numbers and casualties inflicted by the general in the combat phase to the bravery characteristics of every friendly Sinesh unit within six inches of the general in the following Battleshock phase. So if he kills two or three models, that's plus two or three bravery for every unit within six inches of him. Because mm-hmm. it's that it's that everybody's enjoying the excesses. They're all yep. they're all enhanced. And once again, there aren't they all like really high bravery because they're chaos demons. Yeah, all the demons are ten, and then all of the mortals are, um, like good ish bravery. But you can still jack those up, and the demonets are kind of squishy, so. They will probably take more damage, but this helped mitigate how many you lose on the battle shock even more. Yeah, I mean, especially if, you're especially if this is to, a keeper. Yeah, I've got ten models. I've got still got more than ten models left. Bravery just went to eleven. He killed three of my braveries. Fourteen. Yep. You know, did you kill? You know, m- more than eight? No. Okay, I'm good. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh. You get the pile in a six instead of three. Um, okay, roll a dice each time he inflicts a wound on a model, and on a six he gets a wound back. So if he's doing a bunch of wounds, you know, there's a good chance he'll be getting some wounds back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else here? Any of these other ones grab you? I, I, one and three were the ones that I kind of liked mostly. I actually liked two... Um, one or two, five and six. Um, okay. more two and five. The devotee—that's the pile in six inches instead of three. But the general the combat phase, if they're within six inches, to pile in rather than only three. Right. Once you can pile in six, so then yeah, then with it, yeah, the whole point is if you're within six, you get to pile in. So. No, yeah, that's but like normally, like the tree revenant, they can pile in s- up to six inches, but they still have to be in three inches to trigger that. Oh, this okay. guy can be six inches away, then pile in and swing after the unit he'd be piling in at has already gone, so they can't hurt him. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, um, you get uh, inv- obviously invigorated by pain we just talked about, um. And then Allure of Slanesh, you get to subtract one from hit rolls of enemy attacks made against the general in the combat phase. So that's a good thing to keep your characters alive, because, again, they tend to be a little on the squishy side. Um, and then if you have a general who's a wizard, which the Keeper of Secrets is, um, you get to add one to hit rolls, casting rolls, 
and unbinding rolls for the general if there are at least 10 friendly Slanesh models within six inches of them when you make the roll. Yep. So, and if you're doing Pretenders host, you get to pick two of those on a Keeper of Secrets. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you know what I like with the Pretenders, too? Um, and I forgot about this, is the Cruel and Sadistic. Mm-hmm. So enemy units add two to their Battleshock rolls for each model the general kills, not just one. Yeah. So, and especially a lot of these guys with the Bravery 6 or Bravery 7, where if they lose just that one model, which a lot of times they just lose the one model, they don't have to roll. Mm-hmm. Now they're rolling. And especially, oh, anything with a lower Bravery is just totally screwed if they lose a couple of models to the to this to the to the to the general especially if it's a keeper of secrets cuz he has a lot of high damage attacks so he, like if he hits one through with a great sword i think that's 3 damage so that effectively counts as six slain guys for battle shock <sighs> yeah see, see, that's that one's really good mhm um and what about the artifacts anyone stand out to you um let's see Oops, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm um, looking at mine, too, and I'm trying to see what really stands out. The Mask of Spiteful Beauty. So in your hero phase, you get to pick an enemy unit within six inches of this model and subtract two from that unit's bravery. Combine that with Cruel and Sadistic. Um, oofta. Yeah. Um, that was the big thing that struck out at me. Yeah, because the rest of it. Um, now I okay. There is one thing that I, I like the fallacious gift. Of course you would. Okay, at the start of the game, after both sides have set up, but before the first round starts, you pick a single weapon that a single enemy hero can use. Now, especially if you've got. Like, I know my lord on Drakoth, you pick that weapon. He's only got the one weapon mm-hmm. once you pick it, okay? At the end of each battle round in which they use that weapon, they take a mortal wound. Yep. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's just a time bomb. You're just adding a couple of... You're adding a mortal wound any round. And it's any round that they use the weapon. So that's twice per turn. Like, seriously, if I got into a fight with my Lord Celestine I'd, on Drakoth, I'd have to pull him away. Or else I'd only be able to fight with the Drakoth. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, he's not going to fight. Why? Because he can't use the weapon. Well, he can. It's just going to hurt. Unless you got a way to mitigate those wounds or unless you got a way to to heal him back up, which he does. So I probably would use it anyway, to be honest with you. But right. still, it's just like, oh, Oh, it's just I like that. I like that a lot. I like that you just mess with someone. Else. I know you're tough, and I know you got this thing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with your your, your weapon. Mm-hmm. It may only it may only do one mortal wound, you know. Per it may you know, but it's slowly picking away at you, you know. Yeah, or if you don't want to deal with the damage, you're taking a what I'm assuming will be a powerful combat character out of the equation. Yep. Exactly. So that's pretty cool. All right, let's try to get through these. Let's try to get three more for chaos, and then we can get into three for death. (laughs) Yep. 
and then destruction right. be handled. So yeah. All right, uh, slaves to darkness. Um, I like all units within six inches of the hero get a bonus, and it depends if they on have their the mark. Same mark. Yep. Yeah, it depends on their mark, uh, which is cool. Um, we don't have to go over them all, but it's, it's re-rolling ones, different ones for different things. Zinch is re-rolling a save, Corn is re-rolling to hit, whatever. If you have no mark, plus one bravery. So mm-hmm. it just everything gets a bonus depending on uh, the hero or the and it's for the heroes and the generals. Yep. So if you if you're keeping to similar marks or you just keep these guys near them and they'll get their bonuses. The Eye of the Gods table is back. Yeah. So if your hero kills and it, a hero with the exception of demon princes uh slays an enemy hero or a monster, they get to roll 2d6 and see what they get. Um now, the cool thing about this is, I mean, most of it's pretty good. The only thing you don't want is to roll a two mm-hmm. because then you turn into a spawn. Um, they d- it does specifically stay here, say here, that it does not cost reinforcement points in pitched battle if you turn into a spawn or if you turn into a demon prince. Yep. Because if you kill a hero and you roll a 12, demon prince. But if you roll a two, spawn. It doesn't cost you points either way because your general goes away. Right. Um, it also says for spawn them, if you do not add a spawn instead, the hero suffers D3 mortal wounds. So that's true. If he's got wounds left to spare and you don't want to turn him into a spawn because that's dumb. Yeah. You can just take the mortal wounds. But if you're going to die anyway, then why not get a free spawn out of it? Right. Um, now, when he turns into a demon prince... Um, My question is, does the does your opponent get points for your hero coming off the board? Why would he? Well, we don't use... Well, I mean, the model is dead. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so you'd still get the points for it, but now suddenly you have a demon prince. But it's only if the scenario comes down to a major victory do you care about it. Oh, oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. Or to a minor victory. Right. Um, and then you get all sorts of little bonuses. Uh, six through eight, you get uh, the eye opens, which is you can reroll the next failed hit, wound, or save roll for the hero. Um, if you roll anything but that a second time, if he, if he kills heroes, and he basically what it says is uh, some of these things you can only get once. Mm-hmm. And if he gets it a second time, instead... Roll the dice on a one to three, it just drops to spawn, and on a four to six, it jumps up to demon prince. Yep. So there, there's cool stuff in here. You can look at it yourself. I'm glad. I'm just. I like the fact that it doesn't cost you points now to get the cool thing. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna die, it doesn't cost you points to get the spawn. If you're getting replaced by a demon prince, it doesn't cost you points to do that either. Um, and it really does. It it's this whole. It's the old Warriors of Chaos routine. Kill the heroes. Get the glory. That's what they have to do. Kill heroes. Get glory. So what about the command traits? What stands out to you? Nothing. Nope. That's what I'm looking at. Rerolling the wound. Reroll failed wounds versus order. Uh, you know, you get a six to wound does an extra mortal wound. 
it's all it's all stuff we've seen before. Yeah, the only like nifty stuff is a bravery debuff within six inches of your general, or a bravery buff within six inches of your general. Which actually is the one thing I would want to take on this, probably because you can combo it with one of the artifacts. Yeah, and all of the most of the banners for Slaves to Darkness is plus one bravery as well. So they don't move anywhere, but I just don't there's not a lot in this command trade section that I would really want to take. No. I mean you gotta take something, you know, re rolling failed rune rolls real but that plus one to bravery within your within six inches or minus one bravery for your enemy during their battle shock phase wouldn't be too bad combined up with the artifact. Enemy units within six inches of this model in the Battleshock phase subtract two from their bravery. Yeah, so, that's probably where I would go. Yeah, that with the Lord of Terror, you got a, a negative three bravery bomb right off the right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, you know. So I, I like that. Um, the other artifacts. The banner of the demagogue gives you plus two. To bravery, so that can combine with exalted champion. There's your so other, within your, six inches, it's your plus three bravery. Yeah, so you got your 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 bravery. Well, it's not a bravery bomb. It's your, but it's your bravery awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, the only other one that I really liked is um, if, if if once again, if you if you can't make decisions, you can pick which mark the chaos model has instead of deciding before the battle begins. So wherever yeah. he is on the field, you can just change his mark in your hero phase to match up with whatever is closest to him. So you can give those bonuses to those to those units. Yep. If you have a wide variety of marks on the field, if you're keeping your marks very similar, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. So that's about that. Let's jump to Pestilence. Let's get yep. two Skaven ones to do here. Pestilence is cool again. This, this, oh, there's so much cool stuff here. There is. They have a lot going on, and they really needed it. Yeah, so much going on. Okay, first of all, both both Scryer and Pestilence get the strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you know how you get plus one bravery for every ten models? They get yeah. plus two. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a good one. And yep. these guys get numbers really quickly with the Plague Monk units. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Um now before they had the I get the Plague the uh, you know what? We need to cover this book cuz I don't even know some of the stuff. No, I'm I want to do this book next. Yeah, cuz as I'm reading this I'm going, "You know what? This is something I think I need to cover." Yes. Um but so they get to say their little prayers and get their bonuses. If they roll a natural six for their prayer, they get to pick a great plague to manifest. Mm-hmm. And there's also every it's within thirteen inches. Good good stuff happens for you. Bad stuff happens for your enemy. Yeah, and they're all different. Um, so it's not going to happen super often, but when it does, it's going to be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because they're really good. I mean, mm-hmm. and you can, and, and there's, there's, there's what five here, and so there, there's something for just about every situation. Um, the one that I like, um, the one that just sticks out as you know, this might not be bad, is the Never Plague. 
add one to the prayer roll for friendly pestilence priests for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's the only one that lasts for the remainder right. of the game. Um, it, it doesn't. You still need a natural six to get any of these other ones to show up, but that one suddenly is like, oh, if you're really reliant on your prayers, there you go. Um, they all do really cool stuff. I mean, literally doing, you know, D, doing D6 mortal wounds and then having it jump almost like chain lightning and doing D3 to other units. Um, There's one in here where you get to con- take control of an enemy hero within 13 inches of the priest that cast it. That's if there's no enemy model, if there's no enemy models within three inches of him. Right. But so if you can find a hero who's sort of off by his own or off, or with, that you don't, just make sure you don't have any guys near him when you pick this. Right. Because he'll attack his own men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, command traits. Yeah, there's a big one in here that stood out to me, which is Architect of Death. Um, yeah. <laughs> reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made with missile weapons by friendly pestilence units that are within six inches of him. And a lot of people are like, well, what in what are they shooting? Well, Plague Claw Catapults <laughs> is what you're shooting. Yeah. And the wound roll of one is the one thing you don't want to get. And mm-hmm. now you get to reroll it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, especially with Falring Congregation. It's a really nifty trick. You could, If you're a priest, you can re-roll the dice to see if you pray successfully. That's a good one. Which is, if you know, hey, you know what? I really don't care about this. I'm going to try for that six. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't say if you fail it. You can just to see if you pray successfully. I want to yep. re-roll this. I don't care. I'm looking for that six. And if you're not a priest, you get to be a priest and do it anyway. So... Yeah, that's good for like a vermin lord. Yeah. Uh, any artifacts stand out to you? Uh, the Libra Bubonicus. Mm-hmm. This used to be attached to Skrulk. Now it gives you pestilent prayers <laughs> um, from the priest's war skull. So you're giving out more prayers. And if you already are a priest, you can use your pestilent prayers twice in each of your hero phases, not just once. Yep. And then once again, it, oh, by the way, you can only manifest a Great Plague once per battle, and you can only do it once per turn. So if mm-hmm. you manifest it once, but the, once again, every time you do this, it's more chances to manifest these cool Great Plagues. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, there's there's cool stuff. Artifacts aren't that great, but there's a couple of command traits and these cool abilities that are just bumping these Pestilence guys just giving that bump they need for people who love to play them for them to get pretty good again. Yeah. And I definitely want to cover this book. I think we should do that one next. I agree. All right, let's hit Scryer and then take our our, 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 our next break. Mm-hmm. They also have Strength in Numbers and they have Warpstone Sparks. So you, they needed it. <laughs> so D3 plus 3 and that's how many Warpstone Sparks you get. You can use them once per battle, you can reroll a casting roll or an unbinding roll, or reroll a failed hit or wound roll from a hero, or you can double the damage characteristic of a weapon used by a scryer model for one of for your army for one successful attack. 
You decide what you want to re-roll immediately after. You decide if you want to re-roll immediately after making it. You cannot use more than one spark in the same phase. Uh, and then <laughs> roll a dice after this using the spark and completing the spell or attacks. On a one, the unit that cast the spell or made the attack suffers D6 mortal wounds. So mm-hmm. you can still have a warp stone backfire on you. but As it should. Yeah, but I mean, getting to re-roll your casting or unbinding roll, getting to re-roll your hit or wound rolls by the heroes, um, this this kind of scares me. It should. Yeah, especially where you get to to uh, double the damage characteristic. Yeah, for one successful attack. Yeah, that's Stormfiend territory right there. Yeah. Because they do have some three damage weapons, so you can double it up to six for one of their attacks with it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, what about the 2d3? Doesn't that become 4d3? That's, four that's D3? A, to hit. Oh, that, oh, that's not to that's hit. That's just All a right. number of attacks. That's not a damage characteristic. Oh, okay. That's, okay, you're right. Yeah, this is more like the grinder fist, so like the combat part of it. Oh, okay. It's just the sparks are good. Um, I'm looking at the traits. D3 extra sparks stands out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, the war machines reroll failed hit rolls within six inches of the general. That one's kind of weird because the um, lightning cannon doesn't hit. You just roll six dice and you're trying to... Um, hit whatever number. So that's not a hit roll? I th- I th- it's weird. But I th- I don't think it's as I don't remember. And you can reroll ones for weapons teams so that they don't go boom. Yeah, that one I like. Yeah. And then any artifacts stand out? Cuz I see one. Yeah, why don't you talk about that real quick? Uh, you can use one Warpstone Spark each turn for this model without having to actually expend any Warpstone Spark counters. So that's five free Warpstone Sparks for whatever this character is that you've got. Hmm. One Spark each turn without actually expending it. Yeah. Now it um, says you can't use more than one Warpstone Spark in the same phase... But so I can use basically one in, you know, a, this is a free extra spark every turn, just not in the phase you're going to use your actual sparks. Right. That's, I mean, considering what you get to do with it, where you get to the rerolls and the, I mean, that could be, that could be pretty helpful. I keep thinking that that's something that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Extra rerolls is always good. Yeah. And I just double check the uh, lightning cannon it is not a roll to hit okay so what war machine do they have that has a roll to hit uh doom wheel oh it's okay so that's just the doom wheel within six inches of the general where you don't want it okay um the brass orb i find just funny that's just me (laughs) if you place this model right um, 
in the shooting phase, it can be absolutely devastating. <laughs> um, so in your shooting phase, once per battle, roll a dice. And on a six or more, the closest enemy model within six inches of this model is slain. Run him up to your general. Run him up to Nagash. <laughs> or Archeon. Oh, there you go. It's just funny. But, so, that's chaos. Yep, that's chaos. There's some cool stuff in there. Lots of yeah. lots of smashing. All of it stays pretty story-focused. I like it. And Scryer and Pestilence are way different, too. Mm-hmm. But they really play to that, to their army. Um, I like it. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, another break, and then we'll go through the yeah. uh, the death ones, which are all very similar, but they have some. They but they've got enough where we need to discuss what's cool about them. Mm-hmm. There is cool stuff, despite what people tell you. So, oh yeah, let's do this, and then we'll come back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking death, battle traits, and allegiance abilities. Because this show needs to end. So what better way to end it than with death? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I knew oh, this was going to take forever. But there's so much in here. That, and yeah. And I, we almost should have broken this up into three shows. No. Almost should have. We got we to power through. All right. So we already talked about death and what its abilities are. You got deathless minions in his command traits. Flesh eater courts have deathless courtiers. Same rule, different name. Yeah, it only applies to flesh eater courts units. Yes, so it's a flesh eater courts units within flesh eater courts heroes because it's a flesh eater courts thing. Um, they do have this cool thing where called feeding frenzy. Um, in a combat phase, you roll a dice after the attacks are made. Um. The where in a combat phase where it results in any enemy units being slain, and on a six or more, that unit can pile in and attack a second time. Mm-hmm. So, go in, make your attacks. Did you kill any models? Yep. Roll a dice on the six. I'm doing it again. 
that's not happening often, but you got a bunch yeah. of different units with a, with several units on the table over several turns. It's going to happen a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not super frequently, but it's still a good thing to have, um, especially with how much they kick out. Um, the big thing is the Courts of Delusion, which is we did that Flesh Eater review, and this plays right into it. This um, is great. So this is so good. This is the character that makes the army reflect what it is in the battle tome and reflects the background. This is probably my favorite of the battle traits because it plays right into it. And it, it, what it is, this is actually a lot like the grudges. Mm-hmm. You're rerolling ones for different things. Okay, you can reroll ones when you're running or charging. You can reroll ones against monsters uh, to wound. Rerolling ones to see if they can be do feeding frenzy. So if mm-hmm. you roll a one on the feeding frenzy, roll it again. Um, it all depends on how, what you want to pick. But just the fact that yeah. they all get a bonus because of their delusion mm-hmm. is brilliant. I really yes, like this. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in here? Um, the traits I had a question about. Uh, you get some basics in here, um, but I think it's majestic horror that I had a question about. Yeah, okay. If a general has a command ability that allows them to summon models to the battlefield, they can use it twice in each of their hero phases. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a command ability, not a spell. Okay, I have no question. <laughs> it just sounds like it is. It it's sounds, a wait, summon. what? You can't do uh, Yeah, okay. I'm tired, sorry. If they don't have uh, such a command ability, they can use Summon Men-at-Arms from the Ab- Aberrant Ghoul King War Scroll once in each of their hero phases. Mm-hmm. So, boom, you get to summon stuff anyway. Yep. Um, you get plus one for your Feeding Frenzy roll. Um, which, if you couple that with the rerolling ones, your general can get into feeding frenzy a lot more often. Um, the only other one that I liked is completely delusional. Yeah. Uh, as long as the general's alive at the start of your hero phase, you get to you get to pick the delusion every turn. Yeah, so this isn't like a once per game like the grudge bearer was for. No, dispossess. It's, this is every time. Every turn, you can choose what illusion. <laughs> What delusion is most appropriate? So literally, as the battle's changing, your general can stop can can sw- swap out hats, mm-hmm. and everybody goes along with it. You got it, boss. Uh, I love it. Um, did any of the artifacts stand out to you? Just the once per battle heal d six wounds. <laughs> yeah, that is actually really good. That was the big one that got me. Yeah. Uh, everything else seems pretty pretty basic. Um, mm-hmm. It's all pretty good, but it's pretty basic. Yeah, I'm not trying to give them short shrift. Uh, we just got a couple more to do, and but it, that's already cool with all the stuff we already covered. So why don't you take the Night Haunts battle trait? All right. So Deathless Spirits. It's the same thing with the Death Save, except it only applies to Night Haunt heroes and units. Um, the Another one is Ethereal Rulers, which is essentially, instead of setting up a Night Haunt unit on the battlefield, you can place it to a side and say it's in the Underworld. This is going to look like Stormcast here in a second. Um, 
And as long as there is at least one friendly uh, wraith or banshee on the field, you can roll a d6 um, to see if you can pull it out of the ground. So on a 1 to 2, it fails. And on a 3 to 6, you can set it up anywhere on the table, but not within 9 of enemy units. And this happens at the start of your movement phase, unlike the Stormcast one. Okay. So pay attention to timing here. So, <laughs> And this includes the Morangle. Because it is night haunt, so oh, yeah. have fun with that. So take two. Yeah, I and mean, they're good. They're good for two now. They're not as abusive as they were. But, yeah. Um, and then, are the, you kidding? They're the only thing that kills anything in this whole stupid army. I don't think so, Tim. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, and we'll get to the rest <laughs> of that. Um, and then the other ability is conduits of eternal power, which changes the black coach. Um, because it only gets a bonus with wizards. Now they changed it that it can roll a dice for Cairn Wraith or Tomb Banshees to power up. Yeah, if it's in the Night Haunt army. But mm-hmm. that also makes sense because isn't that part of the break makeup of the Night Haunt army? Yeah. It's coaches, wraiths, banshees, hosts, hex wraiths, and morgols. Yeah, so you don't have – I mean it has to have that rule in there. It's not like, oh, that's special. Yeah, there it, is an ability to make one of your characters a wizard. Right. But and you can bring in Death Lords and Soul Blight and they have uh they have wizards in that, but you don't want to have to have to be allying and stuff just to make your black coach work. This is literally um whoops. <laughs> black coach doesn't work anymore if we don't do this. Mhm. I love the black coach. I love the model. I don't care if it's not great. I just love that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got the the command traits. Um, I don't know. Um, nothing stupendous that sticks out except maybe number six. As long as the general's alive, you can re-roll the dice when attempting to call a unit from the underworld to the battlefield. So that ethereal rulers rule. Mm-hmm. Um. You get to re-roll that. So if you roll a one or a two, you get to re-roll yeah, it. It's a good one. And then Cloaked in Shadow would be the other one I would pay attention to because all this stuff ignores Rend. Yes. For most of the points. Like the Black Coach, I don't think, ignores Rend, and then the Mongol doesn't. But um, in any event, you ignore Rend, so you always have a three-up save on your general. That's not a bad thing to have. Yeah, no, that's good. I like, yeah, Cloaks and Shadows pretty good. And then the artifacts, um, which ones of these stand out? Um, well, that'll be the Pendant of the Fell Wind. So you get to add three to the move characteristic of Friendly Night Haunts within six inches of this model at the start of the movement phase. That's an all-the-time thing, so that's a passive buff, which is a big deal. Um, and then the Light Shard of the Harvest Moon um, you can use this artifact once per battle in combat phase, and if you or when you do so, you can reroll failed hit rolls for friendly night haunt units within six inches of this model when they attack. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, Morngol, or then even Spirit Host, because they only hit on fives right. with Spirit Host, so say that makes their attacks much more accurate, more likely to get mortal wounds through. So it kind of helps plug that gap that the night haunts seem to have yeah yeah that was actually pretty good yeah Mm -hmm. so there you go for your night haunts 
And if you don't want Night Haunts, you can always go over to Soul Blight. Yeah, this is a big winner here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, vampires. This is if you're actually going to play with some vampires and not just all spirits and not just all flesh eaters. This is if you're playing a sort of a traditional vampire count sort of army. Um, they've got Deathless Thralls, which is the same rule as the other ones, except now it's for soul blights within uh, six inches of a soul blight hero or general. And then you get to pick a bloodline. You get to pick a bloodline. They are back, but they didn't call them like the Blood Dragons or the Necrarchs or Lamian or Von Karstein, which I understand they have to let it go. But you can tell which one each one is. Yep. You got Dragon Warriors, Lords of the Night, Necromantics, and Swift Death. Um, they're all good depending on your play style. Um, I think Dragon Warriors is probably the weakest. Um, maybe. I'm not a big fan of Necromantic, though. Like It has its uses, but I don't know. I'd rather take the rerolls, but that's just me. Reroll hit rolls are one on a turn that they charge. Yeah. So it's only when they charge they get to reroll ones. You're using plus one to casting an unbinding for wizards and subtract one from the bravery of enemy nearby. Yeah, that's week two. I kinda like Night Lords. Or Lords of the Night. They get yeah. they get the Death Thralls battle trait all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, so my whole army just gets You know, all Soul Blight units get this for the duration of the battle. So, oh, all right. So they all get that. Um, that's I like that right there. That one stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, that Swift Death plus two to move, and you can move like you can fly. So that's another one that are just flying through and, and, and moving right through units and, and getting to set up where they want to be when they want to be there. Yeah, it's rough. Movement 12 Blood Knights. Is a little obscene, dumbass. Um, <laughs> and it's not like he listens anyway. I know he won't listen to this show. If it clocks in at, at two hours or more, he's out. So, yeah, he won't hear it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what? What are, what are the command traits that stick out? Does anything really? Um, you know, wound rolls a six. You get a mortal wound. We've seen that. Plus one to attack characteristics of the me- of melee weapons. So all of the me- weapons get plus one attack. That's a little better. Yeah, the big one on here for me is mist form. Uh, I knew you were going to say that, especially yeah. if you got the swift death guys. Mm-hmm. Go oh, ahead. Man, it's nasty. So if the general retreats, they can move as if they can fly, and they can still charge. Um. So, yeah, that's a good thing on a dragon. Um, yeah. It's pretty I, yeah. nasty on a dragon. Um, and then for the artifacts, there wasn't a whole lot that stuck out to me, um, except for the sigil of the Sanguine Throne. Yep. Um, so that one is you get to once per charge phase, you can reroll a failed charge roll for a friendly vampire unit within 12. So that's himself, possibly after using Mist Form or making sure that your Blood Knights land. Um, yeah, you've got some other good options in here, too, but that's a big one that stands out. Okay, I like some of the other ones, too, though. Um, I like the Slaking Blade. 
Keep track mm-hmm. of how many uh, how many um, wounds you've inflicted. Once you hit six or more, you get D3 wounds back, and you can add one to the damage characteristic of the weapon for the rest of the battle. That's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the saccharin goblet, although uh, it's it, it's one of those things where it's, <laughs> don't screw up. No. Um, at the start of any combat phase, use it. And it's not once per game. You just use it. Plus one to hit, plus one to wound. But if you don't do any wounds, you take D3 mortals. Mm-hmm. It's taken some blood from somewhere. Yeah. But plus one to hit, plus one to wound can be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it for Soul Blight. I, 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 you know, you can mix up some of these things. You know, Swift Death and the Mist Form on your general. Suddenly they're moving around anywhere they want. You know, um, with a good weapon, that slaking blade can be really good. I'm not even worried about the charge rolls at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus one to hit and to wound. I might even try that goblet. I I, I would risk it because you know what they say. You got to bet heavy to win heavy. Yeah. So... I don't know. That's everything. Dude, that's everything. There's so much cool in here. There's so much I want to do. Yeah. It's the problem going through this is you read it and it's like, yep, I want to do it. I feel like that kid in the Toy Story, or not Toy Story, the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. His little brother at Christmas. Oh, boy. Hey, that's mine. Oh, boy. Yep. Hey, that's mine. Because everything I see, I want in this because it's, it's awesome. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's call this. We're over four hours, and it's just that's we're 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 dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah. So, but we covered the whole book, and congratulations to us. There's lots of cool stuff in here. We've told you about it. We probably should have trimmed a little when we first started talking about these things. But what? Nineteen sets of command abilities. Six war. Six war scroll battalions. That's a lot. That's a lot of coverage. Mm-hmm. And we and we did it because I love us. So there you go. There and you know we gave. I think I like you know we gave we gave everybody some possible uses for these things. You know some ideas. Nothing that's necessarily we've we've totally tested out, but some good ideas on how to use stuff and uh, just. I, I'm, I get so excited about how well these things were written into their story. Mm-hmm. Each of these things. Dude, the Flesh Eater Court one is great. The yeah. Darkling Covens one is, that is, I mean, that is, those are dark elves to a T. And it's that type of stuff that makes you just go, wow, you guys did a really good job with this. Like, this really works. Is every single one of these... As good as the other, is every single one of these going to make you, you know, oh, this is great. Uh, my, you know, I suppose there's some things you could find flaws with, some things you could want better of. But for my money, they've reinvigorated my excitement for this game. I want to see these things on the table. I want to see these things happening. Mm-hmm. I want to play against these these separate things and see what they do it's just i'm so excited every time i flip through this i get excited 
I had to stop bringing it to work because I wasn't doing any work. <laughs> like I'm on my lunch. I'm like, I should be grading papers, but look at this. Look at this. I want to build a list. So, all right. So we're done. We are. Did you have a good time? Yeah. I'm sorry I kept you up so late. It's okay. All right. We started pretty early. We knew this would probably run long. I didn't run over run this long, but whatever. All right. Uh, listen up, folks. Um, hey, listen. Please don't forget to check out After Eleanor, the Garage Hammer Horus Heresy Book Club. Uh, that's on the Free Buddhist Network. Um, it's no longer, new episodes are no longer going up on the Garage Hammer. People are still asking about that. It is not going up in the After Eleanor feed. Um, we still have it. It's there. So if Free Buddhas ever kicks us off or anything like that, we can put them on there. But right now, if you want to hear them, you got to subscribe to the Free Buddhas Network. And they've got tons and tons of other shows. Uh, listen to what you want. Delete what you don't. Nobody's making you listen to absolutely everything. But there's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, I listen to about half the shows because those are ones that reference games that I play and things that I'm interested in. Although when something pops up and has an interesting topic, I grab that too. Um, there are a lot of great shows there, and that is the only place where you can hear new episodes of After Olinor. Um Oh, and one last thing. Um, they're already starting to book for their Adepticon tour. Adepticon next year is coming up. Coming up sooner than we think. I believe. Don't that. remind me. <laughs> uh, you can get go to geeknation.com and look look up. They have a full tour info there. Um, they still have hotel space right at the convention center. So if you go with the Geek Nation tour, you're in the hotel that it's all happening at. Uh, they get they get to book. The you get if you're with the Geek Nation tours, you get to book your events before the public does. So mm-hmm. you absolutely are guaranteed to get into what you want to get into. Uh, also, they have an they're oh, if you sign up for this, you get an exclusive painting class with Jim Wapple. and mm. um, he's doing a bunch of things at Adepticon too. Uh, they're at limited space, so if you want to get on board, you got to do it soon. But that's, I mean, they do. All, and last year, uh, you know, I got to, I, we had, Greg and I had started on the Free Buddhist Network last year, and they started putting all our old shows up. And uh, we got to meet up with them, and they did a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. They do all sorts of special dinners with people. With, they did dinners with podcasters. They get to go to all these events. They get to all this special stuff. Um, so if you want to go to Adepticon, if you're not local, if you're looking to do something um, with a group as a part of a, the Geek Nation tours, check it out, geeknation.com. Uh, uh, Geek Nation or Geek Nation tours. Um, it, what, what did it say? Let me make sure I read that correctly. It is geeknationtours.com. But check it out. Um, I know Terrace would really appreciate it. Um, also, check out the Patreon page. If you want, if we're almost at the 1%. We call us the almost 1%. We're getting closer to being the 1% because a lot of people, and thank you to everyone who has joined in. Seriously, if you're even remotely interested, a lot of people are throwing in and they say, hey, you know what? We'll donate a dollar a show when they wind up getting charged two bucks a month for this. I don't know that it's worth two bucks a month, but heck, if most of the people who listened threw in two bucks a month, 
this would be this would be crazy, you know. Um, but if you want to be even just part of that one percent, we would really appreciate it. And thank you again to our newest patrons: Dylan Foley, Marcus Sharput, uh, Tyler Miller, and Stefan. No last name, and of course, our new executive producer Bradley Graham as well. Uh, thank you all for being part of the almost one percent. You guys. Uh, make this show what it is so thanks a lot Alex I've rambled on long enough anything else we need to tell them about no I mean we're running a bunch of other tournaments but um, PACA if you're interested in going to WAPACA at the end of January uh, signups are open we are about half full for most of the AOS events already so please make sure to check that out it's at WAPACA.net and I'm going I'm actually yeah. going. I'll be there too. So hey, sign um, up. Just come see us. Yeah, that'll be good. Hang out. Um, and then Dragonfall. So that's the third weekend of October. I'm running a one day event at Dragonfall uh, this year. So check it out at dragonfall.com. Um, and that's just a one day, four round, one thousand pointer that we're doing. Okay. So yeah, cool. a bunch of options coming up. So yeah, that's it. I think we're done, Dave. We're done. Okay, folks, until next time. Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com you can also find us on twitter david is at garagehammer and alex that's me is at some kind of geek 30 original music by claire seabrook you can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash claire seabrook music finally if you want to join the garagehammer community as well as the aos community worldwide you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance forums. That's tga.community or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.